is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, gang? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. All-star break in effect for the Winnipeg Jets. A couple more games on the docket tonight in the NHL this evening before all eyes on South Florida for all-star festivities this weekend. Uh, with the Jets off, we'll look back at the first 52 games of the season and a little bit of uh, well, just past midseason report cards, if you will, with Scott Billick from the Winnipeg Sun. We'll also check in on the Manitoba Moose with the voice of the Moose, Dan Fink, on the road after the Moose lost a shootout decision last night in Rockford. And a little later on, we'll talk football, Super Bowl, the championship games on the weekend, and of course, the big news today, the retirement of Tom Brady with Davis Sanchez of TSN. Very fun conversation coming up a little later on. And of course, well, Tom Brady being the biggest news in all of sports. We'll get to that in just a second. Hey, everybody watching on YouTube, great to have you with us. Make sure to hit that thumbs up button. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the channel. Hit that red button. And uh, if you're not able to catch us live between 1 and 3 p.m. every Monday to Friday, it'll be fresh in, in your uh, inbox the next time you fire up YouTube. And, of course, podcast listeners, check out the YouTube as well and give a sub there. And for those of you that are YouTube listeners, if you can't make it to uh, the uh, video portion of it, it's always there for you at your favorite podcast feed. Search Winnipeg Sports Talk and press subscribe. Huge thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day as we get going. Our friends at Cool Bet Canada, Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug, Canadian Club, Culligan Water, Vita Health Fresh Market, Wallace & Wallace, Consolidated Supply, F Apparel, Manitoba Battery, the Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, <clears throat> and the Why Not Question of the Day, always brought to you by Not Auto Corp. Michael Remus, how are you? I'm feeling good, Huss, trying to figure out what to do with my time here. We have, I have some free evenings for a while now um, with no Jets hockey. So uh, we'll figure it out, I'm I'm sure. I'll, I'll figure something out what to do. But we did have three games yesterday. And, yeah, but I guess we're just counting down to the All-Star game. Yeah, I mean, that'll be fun. We'll probably do a little bit on the All-Star game coming up, uh, you know, maybe on Friday heading into the weekend. I did see on Instagram <clears throat> pretty sweet private jet taking Connor Hellebuck and Josh Morrissey down to South Florida yesterday to participate in the festivities and represent the Winnipeg Jets. We'll have more on that as we get into the weekend. Of course, the rest of the Jets, as we talked about yesterday, hitting the road and uh, I would say probably to a man going to warmer climates for the next little while after a much-deserved break after 52 games of the season, ending with that thrilling comeback on the back of Josh Morrissey himself Monday night against the St. Louis Blues. Um, as I said, we'll have more Jets talk, maybe look ahead to the trade deadline with Scott Billick. Some interesting lists coming out, which we'll talk about, but Remo we got to talk right off the bat about the big news this morning. Uh, very rarely do you get news of the uh, uh, the level that Tom Brady announced today directly from the player before hearing it anywhere else. And uh, I got up this morning, fired up the gram, and the first thing I saw was Tom Brady. And, of course, my initial reaction was, oh, God, what's Tom talking about now? And then we heard a very brief 
um, contrite Tom Brady announcing his retirement. And um, I got to say, it was not what I expected to be talking about today. I'm still somewhat surprised, considering the way things went last year in Tampa, that this is the way Tom Brady is going out. But as we'll play in a minute, it sounds like um, the GOAT is done. Yeah, I mean, it's been a rough season for him on the field with the Bucks. I mean, they got into the playoffs, but if they're in, in any other division, Huss, uh, probably not making it. And personally, we know he went through the divorce, also losing a ton of money in FTX in that crash. So a tough one for him. He has also, you know, got this contract with Fox waiting for him when he retires. Like, why would you want to stand in the pocket and get your brains bashed in but you can go sit in the booth and get paid millions to uh, to watch football. So I think this was, I mean, he's been doing it for, I'm trying to think like how old I was, you know, how much my life has changed since Tom Brady been in the league, won his first Super Bowl. You know, he got married, kids, getting way older, and he's still you know, doing his thing, the best in the league. But um, this year he took definitely took a step back from last season where he was still one of the best in the league. And um, he came out today with the Twitter announcement. Yeah, you know, if you can, let's get that up. I mean, it's pretty brief um, uh, for folks. If you haven't seen it, um, this was not done through an agent. It wasn't done through the Buccaneers. It wasn't done through the TB12 company or foundation. This was basically Tom Brady getting up in the morning, walking outside, pulling out his phone, and making a relatively brief statement that he was done. Um, certainly there was a lot more pomp and circumstance last year, the big essay, all of that, which lasted all of, what, 41 days before he was back. Um, he's been through a lot. Uh, obviously, the divorce, I think, is a big part of everything happening with Tom Brady off the field. But frankly, that's part of the reason why I really thought that he would be back next year, not not wanting to go out the way he did with a very down season for he and his club not to mention some pretty juicy options that, I don't know, we'll talk about this with Davis Sanchez earlier. I mean, I really thought that San Francisco now, with the injury to Brock Purdy being out for six months, the uncertainty about Trey Lance, the roster that that team has going into next season, might have been a perfect spot for Tom to finish up, particularly being a Northern California kid. Uh, but that wasn't the case. Here is uh, what Tom Brady had to say, released early this morning on his social media channels. Good morning, guys. I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring for good. I know the process uh, was a pretty big deal last time, so when I woke up this morning, I figured I'd just press record and let you guys know first. So I uh, won't be long-winded. Like you only get one super emotional retirement essay, and I used mine up last year. So I uh, really thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting me, my family, my friends, my teammates, my competitors. Uh, I could go on forever, there's too many. Um, thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream. I wouldn't change a thing. Love you all. All right, so there was what Tom Brady had to say this morning announcing his retirement. And uh, you could tell, even as brief as the message was, um, you know, very emotional for a guy that has basically been all about football 
365. And obviously he's got a family. He's been married and now divorced. Um, but he is the epitome of greatness in the National Football League. And I, Remo, I would put Brady's career up against... I was asked this on... Uh, was it Sportsnet this morning? I did a couple hits on some other stations uh, about Brady comparing him to Gretzky, comparing him to Michael Jordan. And honestly, if you're looking at his career... I think Brady's at the top of the mountain. Um, the championships that he's won, 20 years with the New England Patriots as an unquestioned dynasty for a good portion of that, and then going to Tampa and winning another Super Bowl, um, you know, the bar has been set so high by Tom, but we also knew what a competitor he was. And he'd said clearly he wasn't planning on retiring. It'll be interesting to see what came, what led to this announcement today, the timing of it, and why he felt it was the right time. All I know is that, and listen, longtime listeners know, not a Brady guy, love to hate, but very similar to growing up in Winnipeg in the 80s and getting our butts kicked by the Edmonton Oilers all those years. I was not a Gretzky guy, um, but you had to respect the greatness that you know we saw each and every Sunday when, you know, Brady was out on the field. And, you know, despite what it did to our team here in Winnipeg, what Gretzky and that Euler dynasty was able to do. And um, I really did think that he still had a little bit in him. I thought the competitor in him would bring him back. Um, but it's pretty clear that getting away from the game for a few weeks, probably watching what happened on the weekend with where the game is at right now, um, decided that it was time to go and uh, as he said there was only one year for the big long essay and all the hoopla about it and uh very quickly and quietly the best to ever do it announcing today that this time it's for real and he's done his yes pro football reference profile just the number of years first season you know year 2000 you played one game but really became the starter after the with drew bledsoe injury 2001 leading them to the super bowl um, he had MVPs, you know, passing leader, the number of all-time records he has. Um, what, an, what an incredible career. And still can't, like, he's, you think about, you know, the, what they always have the meme. It's like, okay, this is what the video game graphic was in Madden when he came into the league, and this is uh, Madden now. And, uh, again, just been so long in the league, you know, 23 years. Incredible. Uh, like, what a career. He- Let's just go down some of these career highlights. It all starts with the championships, and no one's got a <laughs> no one's got a bigger jewelry box than Tom Brady for what they did in the National Football League. Seven-time Super Bowl champion, five-time Super Bowl MVP, three-time NFL Most Valuable Player. Um, like his the list of records that he has um, goes on forever i mean we could talk about the completions the passing yards so here we are eighty-nine thousand two hundred and fourteen career passing yards 649 career passing touchdowns 770 7753 completions 12,050 attempts and the when that certainly outside of the championships the record I think that means the most to Tom Brady is the most career quarterback wins at 251. And that doesn't even start to talk about 
his playoff wins, which is unparalleled in NFL history. Um, you know, he's a polarizing figure um, to some. Many agree, myself included, that he had, he's had the best career ever. Now, some will say that, you know, his everything that he's done will never be touched. I'm not sure about that. Um, we got a guy in Kansas City that's had the best start to a career ever. But the thing about Brady is, is that he did it for over 20 years at an incredibly high level. I mean, the fact that he was winning a Super Bowl with a new team after his 40th birthday, Reem, um, is just truly incredible. So at a certain point, I mean, even if you've been on the other side too many times, and I'm sure so many of his opponents will say the same thing, you have to sit back, tip your cap, and say that he is the best to have ever done it. Oh, yeah. At quarterback, the longevity, um, you know, the numbers, level of greatness. I mean, that uh, even though they didn't win the Super Bowl, that uh, 2007 season where he was MVP, um, absolutely incredible when he had, what, Randy Moss as receiver. And it's amazing how he kind of had, like, three peaks. You had the three Super Bowls in the first 10 years. The second 10 years, you had the three again with New England. And then the last one where uh, the defense in Tampa really helped them. Um, I mean, what a career. So many great moments, rivalries with Peyton Manning, uh, Pat Mahomes. I mean, just, uh, I mean, amazing. And here we are doing this again. We did, we kind of did this last year when Adam Schefter what broke the news, but now it's Tom putting out the tweet on his own today. Yeah, he didn't get sheftered or uh, any of the uh, insiders busting out his uh, the uh, the news before he did, and I respect the way that he did it. And I think what really came out of that was the emotion behind this decision. And again, I'm not sure why it was right now, why he felt he had to do it, but it does seem like this at the time. Although, okay, here's the question, though. What percentage... What is the percentage level that you rate that this is actually 100% that it is done? I mean, how, what chance do you give him of actually changing his mind again and coming back? Five, 10%. That, yeah, seems, that seems like he's pretty... I mean, you saw last season, like two years ago, or after you know the 2021 season, I mean, he was still one of the best in the league, led the league in passing yards, passing touchdowns. Uh, he was pretty awesome. Now, last year, their team took a step back. You know, they had injuries to the receivers, offensive line. You know, just, what was that game in San Francisco? Like, he didn't have any time to throw. Um, I don't know. Would a, team, would a team want to take a chance on a 40, you know, going on 46-year-old Tom Brady? I think at a certain time, you got to be like, you know what? I've, I've done all I can do. I don't need to risk my health continuing to do well, this but anymore. i mean he, he didn't have to do that for the last 10 that's years also, like 10 that, years i mean that's also i mean the guy couldn't quit football um and again i don't want to get into his personal life but I mean, many people reported that that decision to come back essentially ended his marriage to giselle, giselle bunchen um which i'm sure is weighed on him the one thing though remo and especially considering the timing of this just two what three days removed from the nfc championship game where the 49ers had Brock Purdy get injured and he's got the torn UCL. He's going to be out for six months. Questions about his availability next year. I mean, he's a guy that grew up in the Bay area. I couldn't imagine a more perfect situation. If he did want to play another year to go to San Francisco to play with McCaffrey and Kittle and Debo 
and arguably the best defense in football for a chance to win again. Um, and again, I guess things can change, but it really did seem like he has put the, um, he, he's made his decision. And I say that because of as much of the emotion that he had um, going forward, you know, good on Tom for doing it now. Um, you know, there are guys that, you know, maybe are starved for attention. He's not one of them. He's had plenty of it throughout his career that would maybe try to make themselves the story of Super Bowl week, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, um, LL last year. But he got it done. This is going to be the biggest story in all of sports over the course of the next couple of days. Um, and then we'll get back to the two teams that are playing for the Lombardi and the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles next year in Glendale. Um, so that's a big story again. We'll talk a little bit more about this with Chez later on today. David Sanchez is going to join us in the final guest segment after we uh, kick around the jet season with Scott Billick, uh, as well as talk a little bit of moose with the Fink, Dan Fink, coming up in a, uh, in, in a few uh, few minutes. One story, Reem, and this is interesting, um, and I've seen some people that have mentioned this already in chat. Um, the Regina Pats are playing the Calgary Hitmen tonight. Yes. The Saddle Dome is going to be sold out. They're going to be pushing 17,000 people in Calgary into that rink for a junior hockey game. And um, it just speaks more and more to the star power of Connor Bedard. Uh, the excitement about him going into next year's, uh, this year's NHL draft. Um, truly a phenom. I mean, I think his profile only got bigger with his performance at the World Junior Hockey Championship. But... I mean, to fill a 17,000-seat rink for a WHL regular season game, um, you know, we have talking about Brady and Gretzky. I mean, listen, Connor Bedard hasn't even played a game as a pro yet. But, man, the profile expectations for this young man are um, beyond anything we've seen since Connor McDavid. And um, it'll be interesting to see that game tonight, but I think a lot of this... Uh, Second half of the season, while we talk about the playoffs and who's going to be in, it's all about Connor Bedard, too, when you look at the bottom of the NHL standings. That's incredible. Um, so, you know, selling out the Saddle Dome for junior hockey. When they have Flames hockey, they have Calgary Wranglers. They're now the hype for Connor Bedard um, off the charts. Uh, he's got who uh, Cam Robinson on Twitter tweeting out. He's got a 10-game goal streak where he's got 21 goals. Got a 34-game point streak where he's got 43 goals and 86 points. And that's how many games he's played. Just, uh, absolutely incredible season. I mean, his numbers are rivaling uh, McDavid's junior numbers. Um, I mean, again, incredible player. And this is why teams are really trying not to win, just to get as best chance. You're not guaranteed a first pick, Huss, but if you can even get a couple percentage points more, the impact that this guy could have on your NHL franchise. Like next year or in the years going forward, you would have him, you know, team control, whatever it is, nine years or until, what, or seven years, I forget what it is. Anyways, um, just incredible. And yes, here it is in draft eligible seasons from Cam Robinson on Twitter. McDavid, 44 goals, 120 points in 47 games. That's 2.55 points per game. Bedard, 43 goals, 88 points in 35 games, 2.51 uh, points per game. So, I mean, he's matching McDavid in terms of points per game here uh, in his draft season. So, 
That's good. This will be one of the most uh, anticipated draft lotteries coming up since, what, the Matthews Line A one? I think that was pretty anticipated. Oh, yeah. And the, and the McDavid one, of course. Well, and the thing about the, this draft, um, it, we all just talk about Connor Bedard, but the depth of the draft of, you know, high-end draft prospects um, kind of puts this one maybe even beyond those. Um, you know, we've heard was it Shane Malloy and a couple of the guys we had in and around the World Juniors said this could be the best draft in 10 or 15 years when you talk about the first round overall, um, which, of course, Remo, is a big concern of a lot of teams, including the Winnipeg Jets, that want to get aggressive at the trade deadline with making a move to trade a first-round pick. It also makes the first-round picks that much more valuable when it comes to if you're willing to use that as draft the, the draft capital as currency to add to your team. Teams that have first-round picks, I think, have maybe a better chance of making some real hay at the deadline. But again, it comes with a major risk because of what everyone is saying about the quality of the class of 2023. Yeah, it should be quality and... Just looking at the draft, you know, we're going to bring up the draft lottery simulator more and more. Huss. There's Columbus right now, 25% chance. I think Florida, you know, they're they're on a bit of a stretch. So Montreal's, they're, they've got double the chances here. 7.5% and Florida's 3%. So that's only 10. But Chicago, 13.5. Anaheim, 11.5. Arizona's in there too. San Jose, I mean, they're going to be making some deals at the deadline. And watch out for Vancouver. I think they realize, you know, we got to put on the tank here. They traded Bo Horvat. Who else is going to get traded? They're like, we need to start losing some games fast to yeah, just get that much better of a chance. And any percent chance, I think, is, is worth it in this point. Normally, you know, you're anti, we're kind of anti-tanking. You want teams to try. But when you have a player like this available, just lose as many games as you can. And Anaheim, Chicago, uh, Arizona are trying really hard to do that. It is. I mean, what is it? Eighteen and a half percent for the team that finishes last. They have. Oh, sorry. Um, well, the odds are. I guess that's a top three. It says one overall, twenty-five and a half percent for the team that finishes last. Okay, so twenty-five and a half, and what's second? Thirteen and a half. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, thirteen and a half. So there's a twelve. There is a twelve percent. So being being dead last is a big i mean you're almost doubling your chances of getting bedard now it's still 25 percent. that means you got a 75 percent chance of being left holding the bag and i mean i always think about the tankathon that happened in the mcdavid year the thing with buffalo doing what they did and again the rules have changed a couple of times since then but it guaranteed them one of connor mcdavid or jack eichel and jack eichel Obviously not Connor McDavid, but no, um, you know, like not a not a bad consolation prize if you didn't get the win. I mean, now we've seen teams. I mean, it just guarantees you, I guess, in the top four picks. Um, now, listen, this year, as we've talked about, you're going to get a great player in the top four, even if you're picking at four. But if it's all about getting Connor Bedard. Um, there's a far greater chance that you're going to be disappointed after the draft lottery than you'll be there singing the uh, singing the praises of the young phenom and uh, making a plan. I did see Maul saying Bedard and Liney are going to look amazing together. I'd certainly be here for that. I, 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 I'm sort of torn because, 
you know, you do want a player like that to go to a market that he'll be appreciated, that, you know, will make a big difference. I kind of think Columbus is that spot. The one place I don't want him to go, and I think most people would agree, is Arizona. I think it would be completely embarrassing for the National Hockey League if the uh, most hyped prospect since McDavid comes in and basically moves from playing in front of 17,000 in the Western Hockey League <laughs> to playing in front of 4,500 at Mullet Arena in the desert. Yeah, I'm trying to think like where I would want him to go. I think Montreal... I mean, the media attention would be insane, as we've seen with huh. you know the attention with Pierre Luc Dubois, who doesn't even play for them. Um, I don't. know. Anaheim would be kind of cool. I mean, it would be nice to be in California. Uh, Chicago, they just no. I don't want. I don't want him to go to Chicago. So I'm not well, sure. Yeah, Vancouver. He's from Vancouver. He's Sh- from Chicago. Van- would be an amazing, amazing landing spot for him as far as the league goes. An original six team that has great history, has some recent success of Cups, and presuming that Taves and Kane are moving on, that would be a clear delineation from that era to the next one. Um, But selfishly, as a Jets fan, I don't want to see that guy in the division for the next little while. So hopefully somewhere in the East, I would love it. And again, the Ottawa Senators are probably not really going to be in the mix for that. But I mean, Ottawa... Even Vancouver would be really cool. I mean, he's from that area. Um, and certainly that would do more to rejuvenate the Canucks franchise than literally anything they could possibly do management-wise. Um, but let us know in the chat. There's our why not question of the day. Um, in the chat, w- assuming that the Winnipeg Jets are in the playoffs and the Jets have no shot at Bedard, where would you like to see him go? Hit us up in the chat. Shout out to our friends at Not Autocorp down at Waverly and McGilvery. Everyone in chat is like seeing my mouse hovered over Sim Lottery. They want me to hit it, so I'm just going right. to hit it uh, uh, let's, before let's we get to Let's do a quick Fink. lottery. Let's see what, what's happening as of the All-Star break or just before. Anaheim. I'd like to see him go to Anaheim. That's my pick. Mm, well, that is your pick. Okay, do, do it one more time for my pick. Who do we got? Columbus. There you go. All right. Bedard and Line A. Dard Line and Johnny Hockey. They played hard last night. I like their game last night. They ended up losing by one, but uh, not too bad. All right, we will talk Jets, maybe a little bit more into Bedard and everything around the league, trade targets for the Jets. I know Brady's riding the Timo train in uh, in chat. I know many people are riding that one as well. It would be a great target for the Jets. We'll talk about that coming up with Billick in uh, a little bit, but we're going to get the, the latest on uh, the Manitoba Moose. Thank who's on the road with the club. Um, before we do that, folks, still chilly outside. Did your car start this morning? Was it? Well, listen, what you need to do is uh, pop on over and see Donnie and his great staff at Manitoba Battery and make sure you are set for the depths of Manitoba winter before we get to talk about some of the more fun batteries for the toys in the summer. Manitoba Battery are the battery experts. You'll shop local, get the best price in town, and save time and money because the Manitoba Battery will also deliver that battery to you citywide in the city. As long as you order by 3 p.m., you'll have it by the end of the day. All you need to do is give them a call at Manitoba Battery or order online at manitobabattery.com. And as I mentioned, if you were, uh, listen, if you think you might need a test, you're not sure, pop by 1026 Logan Avenue. They'll give you a quick free battery test. 
and get you on your way whether you need a new one or not. Um, hey, end of the month is here, but we're into February. We'll be announcing our unsung hero for Wallace and Wallace, along with uh, Jets all-star defenseman Josh Morrissey in the next few days. But a new month means new opportunities to submit that community hero making a difference in the lives of others, whether it be through volunteerism, charity work, being active within and spending so many of those extra hours putting on, uh, you know, youth sports programs and more. Let us know about that person in your life and why they're the unsung hero of their community. Send us an email, unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com. Wallace and Wallace will donate $500 in the name of the WST listener that nominated the unsung hero to the Dream Factory. And Josh and Margot Morris here are going to match that for an even $1,000. And the unsung hero will receive props on WST and an autographed jersey from Josh Morrissey himself. i got to give a big shout out to the guys over at Consolidated Supply as well. Man, I'm looking forward to golf season, looking forward to getting outside. I know it seems a little far away right now, but it's not. And if you're planning some projects next year, uh, whether it be landscaping, irrigation, artificial turf, make, putting in that dream outdoor kitchen in your backyard, or maybe installing a hot tub, Consolidated Supply has everything you need to be covered. Uh, you can check out their new website at cte.ca, but maybe the best way to do it and get the ideas going on what is possible for you is pop down and see Joe Spicy and the gang at Consolidated Supply. They are open to the public, 1395 Niaqua Road East, or check out everything they've got going on at cte.ca online. And just before we bring in the Fink, of course, February is here. We're still kind of grinding through sixth season and battling colds and sore throats has never been easier with Colflex Oregano Spray made locally by Inatech Nutrition. Colflex Oregano Spray helps relieve coughs and sore throats and helps to maintain immune function. Get yours today at any Vita Health location along with great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products and groceries. And when you shop at Vita Health, you'll be supporting a great local company, family-owned and operated since 1936, also carrying Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products too. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and online at myvita.ca. Uh, all right, to the road we go. Dan Fink, voice of the Manitoba Moose, joins us now to catch up on uh, what's going on with the herd. Fink, what's up? How are you, buddy? Oh, doing pretty well. Just uh, enjoying a nice uh, day without practice here in Milwaukee and uh, looking forward to a couple more coming up against the Admirals. Milwaukee, great town. Uh, Absolutely fantastic Great beer spot. town. Good yes. baseball town. A lot of cheese in Wisconsin. What, uh, what, 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 what does the broadcast team do on the off day in a town like Milwaukee other than grace us with your with your presence on wst well just uh just popped out for a little spot of lunch with some of the support staff and uh we think we'll maybe head over there's a great barbecue place uh, doc smokehouse uh, over by the rink so i think we might stop over there with a great uh whether it's uh 
they've got the, a good beverage list, we'll say, and then quite the quite the supply of uh, smoked meats and various delicacies. And I think we'll hit up the uh, the Bucks game tomorrow night. Clippers are in town for a late one, so that should be a lot of fun. Already got our tickets for that. So uh, when you got a couple of days in Milwaukee, you gotta gotta do all the shall we say Milwaukee things. And uh, yeah, it should be should be a good week here. Man, that's awesome. Well, uh, of course, uh, the team played last night in Rockford, getting ready for the weekend now against the Admirals. Uh, a 3-2 shootout loss. Obviously, it can go either way once you get to penalty shots. Uh, fill us in on uh, what went down last night. Yeah, Moose didn't have their best game, um, but Arvid Holm was ridiculous last night. He made 43 saves on 45 oh. shots. Um, a, a 17 of 18 in the second period alone. And at one point from starting into the second period to about midway through the third, Moose were being outshot 28-9, to nine, I think the total was. Uh, they were able to kind of crawl or battle their way back in with a real strong final five minutes of the third period, uh, where really it, it ended up being a little surprising that the Moose weren't able to win. I mean, they had about four or five glorious scoring chances in the final 90 seconds, uh, just couldn't get any puck luck. They had two trickle just wide of the post. They had one hit the post on to overtime ago. The Moose had six shots on goal in overtime, including two clear-cut wide-open looks for uh, Jansen Harkins. Dil- uh, Declan Chisholm was able to walk to the net. Christian Reichel had a chance on the back door, just couldn't get it over the pad of Arvid Soderblom. So the opportunities were there to win it. It was an absolutely electric overtime. Uh, Ten total shots between the two teams, but off to the shootout we went, and I'd have to give the edge to the Ice Hogs when he gets in the shootout. They have a cheat code over there in Lucas Reichel, Christian Reichel's cousin, first-round pick of Chicago, and uh, he was able to cash in. So I uh, gave them the early lead. Moose weren't able to find their way past Soderblom, and that was all she wrote. So uh, an entertaining hockey game. The Moose, uh, I think, feeling the effects a bit of playing three games in five nights, plus uh, a bit of a travel day in between there to get down to Rockford and uh, the Ice Hogs came in having lost seven in a row. So we're playing some pretty desperate hockey and got a much needed win for the Ice Hogs. But uh, all in all, I think the Moose, uh, just with how the game went, probably happy to get a point that their goaltender may have stolen for them. Yeah, and uh, you did mention, I mean, the amount of hockey they played. I mean, two big games on the weekend, uh, a Friday Sunday as opposed to the usual maybe Saturday Sunday when the the Jets are away. Um, First of all, shout out to everyone behind the scenes at the Moose who put on a great event for Dancing Gabe. Uh, Would have been there. I was out of town, of course. Did appreciate the opportunity to give a message to Gabe at the game. Um, And they got a win for the uh, 60-year-old last night uh, or on on Sunday afternoon. Um, What a cool, uh, what a cool event. And uh, I mean, listen, he is... uh, the Winnipeg institution of sports fans. So credit to everyone at the Moose and nice to see the boys get a win for Gabe on his birthday. Yeah, it was interesting because that came up in in the summer and uh, I think it was a a no brainer, but uh, that goes on the schedule and it, and it comes down to, well, what do you actually end up doing for this? I mean, it's great that it's his birthday and that's a starting point, but then where do we go from there? And uh, Colin Peterson, his crew did a great job of sourcing in a lot of those, uh, those birthday messages that we saw and, Raquel Payne was working overtime to uh, get uh, do a lot of interviews leading up to that and talking about uh, what the day meant to us as an organization and 
Gabe's family was fantastic. And uh, of course, it all just came together so well. And we couldn't have done it without everybody, including yourself, who submitted some of those messages. Uh, the folks were able to help us out with some uh, old footage, things like that. And uh, of course, the man himself, who was gracious enough to spend his birthday with us and uh, seemed like he had a really good day. And that really, at the end of the day, that's that's the most important thing. So it was great that the fans really came out for it, had just shy of 5,000 people in the building. So it was uh, exactly the atmosphere that you would hope to celebrate uh, like you said, a Winnipeg institution. Well, and, and you know what? I mean, uh, dating myself here, but of course, being with the club in the inaugural season, um, one of the first things that the Manitoba Moose did when they came and started off this new chapter of Moose hockey in the IHL um, was to basically make Gabe uh, a permanent fixture with the jersey and a season pass. And um, man, I, I, I can't even imagine what the number of moose games that Gabe has been at. But I mean, it would be the vast majority of every Manitoba moose game played for over 25 years. I mean, what is it? 27 years. Obviously there's a few years where the team wasn't here and um, you know, death taxes, as I said in the message, you know, players and coaches come and go staff members come and go. He has been uh, the Winnipeg institution. So it was really great to see him um, have that special day and have the great turnout that the team did. And obviously, um, a nice win for the club too. Those games against the Marlies are always really tight between these two clubs. I, how, would you, how would you say the rivalry between uh, Toronto and, and uh, Manitoba is? It's maybe not as spicy this season as it has been in past years. I just don't know that uh, either club is necessarily built that way, especially the Marlies. They're not exactly the, they'll play you hard, but not necessarily going to mix it up a whole ton. So it's not as spicy as it has been. But like you said, I mean, they're always pretty tight games and uh, seen some pretty good battles between the clubs already this season. I believe they've all been decided by a single goal. Obviously, we still have that uh that last one to go still, but um, it's it's been a real tight series, and that's a, a top team in the North Division that the Moose have played extremely well, and we saw them play the Texas Stars very well the previous weekend, picking up two wins. So the Moose have faced some elite competition over the last little while, and they've been able to pick up some points in those games, and that certainly stacks up nicely when you start looking towards some of the playoff matchups that they might see if they are able to work their way in. So if you're going to end up playing those top teams, you better be able to play them. So uh, the Moose have shown that they can and that they can be competitive every night well and really important games right now i mean you look at the western conference standings and you know the moose are look like they're in ninth but then you look at their win percentage and they're actually ahead of three of those teams the bottom line is it's incredibly close right now and every single point very very important for manitoba well, yeah, I mean, coming into last night's game, if the Moose had won, they would have jumped up to uh, they would have jumped up to third. If they'd lost in regulation, they would have dropped to fifth. While the Ice Hogs would have jumped into a tie for <laughs> third, and it's every every night the standings flip around. Texas is kind of nestled there at the top, pretty comfortably. Milwaukee is kind of watching nervously in the rearview mirror as teams duke it out. As Iowa got off to a slow start, but they've been fantastic of late, and uh, Jesper Wallstead goaltender there just won the uh, goaltender of the month he went like six and oh at a 1.28 goals against average so uh, they've charged right back into the thick of things and then the moose have been just kind of hanging around and jumping back and forth they've had some hot runs some cold runs the ice hogs got off to a slow start they got real hot now that they've been real cold so nobody's really been able to establish them and even though texas has a bit of a lead and you start to look at the win totals and they're pretty much on par with everybody else they've just been able to get to overtime more and get some of those uh, points in extra time that they 
don't have a great record in overtime, but they've been able to pick up those points. We saw how relentless they can be against the Moose when they were in town uh, fighting their way back into a couple games. So uh, getting that single point last night, obviously you want two, but uh, certainly by no means is it a bad thing to be able to get that point on the road. Now, though, an opportunity as they take on Milwaukee, if you can win both those games, you're going to see yourself jump up the standings pretty nicely. Yeah, two huge games for uh, the Moose beginning on uh, Friday night. Um, they're in Milwaukee against the Admirals. Um, let's talk about Vili Hainala. Uh, you know, Vili has had, um, he's been up and down this year with the Moose, with the Winnipeg Jets. Unfortunately for Vili and his situation with as packed as the Jet Blue Line is, the fact that he's waivers exempt makes him the easiest player to um, be sent back to the American Hockey League where he has played at such a high level. Um, doesn't seem like he's getting the up and down Heard him on the ice right now, Dan. Eight-game point streak, uh, Billy's fourth multi-point game of the season. Um, how has he been since he came back this last stint from the Winnipeg Jets? And handling being back in the A, it certainly seems like he's getting the job done for Mark Morrison on the ice. Yeah, I think it's important to note that Philly's not alone, right? I mean, there's plenty of guys that go through this every season in the American Hockey League where they end up in that year. And it's kind of a progression for some guys in their career where they're going to bounce back and forth. They're going to spend 10 games here, 10 games up. They're going to bounce back and forth. They're going to be in the press box a couple nights. And it could be a tough season for a player. But uh, Billy is, seems to have handled it well with the Moose. And uh, you know what? It used to be that you'd see him maybe take a few games to make that adjustment coming back to the American Hockey League because it is a very different game, especially for defenders. Things are a little more organized up top. Uh, your pass, you don't really have many bad passes in the NHL because the guys receiving them are always going to be able to get that onto their tape. Um, not necessarily as much the case in the American Hockey League. So uh, it can take a little bit of adjustment, but it seems like lately he's been able to jump right in and contribute. And uh, like you said, uh, running an eight-game point streak now at the AHL level, longest of his career, um, he was able to contribute with a shorthanded goal, did a nice job jumping into the rush after Alex Limoges made a real good play back in the defensive zone to get that puck moving up ice and just gave him a good target and managed to slip that puck five holes. So uh, he's been picking up points. He's been contributing that way. He's been solid on the ice, and that's uh, exactly what the Moose coaching staff's looking from him. Really does give Eric Dubois more options when he's looking at those matchups from his demon. You know what, uh, Dan, you mentioned Alex Limoges, and uh, we had a great chat with him a month or two ago. Really, really fun individual. He came here as a free agent, signed with the club, and um, has pretty much been the leading scorer on this Moose team for pretty much the entire season. Now just one point off, point a game pace. Um, Fill us in on Limoges for people that missed uh, maybe the interview with him and what he's brought to the organization um, and how much he's being leaned on by Mark Morrison in offensive situations. Yeah, certainly an interesting uh, case for the Moose because he was a guy that, uh, like you said, signed as a free agent. He was on an AHL contract last season with San Diego, the last two seasons with San Diego, and uh, had a real good year, scored 23 goals, was one of the top players offensively in the AHL, the final third of the season, something like that, uh, but uh, wasn't able to sign a deal there or wasn't part of the picture in Anaheim. So got the opportunity here to sign with the Winnipeg Jets organization and has been a, a real important addition for the Moose. Brings a lot of skill. He's a smart player. He wins his battles. He's not going to burn anybody with uh, with speed, but what he does do is uses his body to create positioning effectively and uh, makes up for maybe that lack of that top level speed with uh, just how heady a player he is and just no 
knows where to be on the ice and can create so much in tight spaces. So he really has been a nice fit, and uh, it's it's been a lot of fun to watch him work. And, uh, yeah, he has been hovering around that point-per-game mark pretty much all season. So he's, he's dripped dip below it so he's probably uh, due for a three or four point night coming up here uh in the next little bit because that seems like what happens every time he gets below that mark so uh, it's been very impressive to watch him go he's been an important leader for this moose club and uh, here's a guy that's come with great offensive pedigree i mean he's i believe the uh, all-time leader in points per game for uh, penn state and certainly has a good following from there so uh it's been it's been a lot of fun to watch him work he's meshed well with various different players no matter who he's been asked to play with so uh it's uh, He's certainly been a very, very key cog for Manitoba on the offensive side of the puck. Hey, Dan, at the end of last season, uh, we saw a couple recent Jet draft picks join the club and Daniel Torgensen and uh, Henry Neekin. And they're now getting their first full year in North America and the Nash- in the pros, uh, pros. And they played most of the games. I mean, what have you seen from those young men and how their first full season's gone? It's quite the adjustment for those guys. And I think it was real valuable that they were able to get over for a few games. Nikonen even got in a playoff game as well. So they got to see what the ice was all about. They got to see kind of what the AHL game at the top level uh, is. So you get that experience. They're able to go back home. They're able to get into the gym and work on their game on the ice uh, when they can through the summer. They get back here and it's not that easy to, to drop right back in, right? Daniel Torgerson had a pretty good run, scored a goal or two goals and had an assist in those four games that he played, came back, scored a goal in his first game of the season and then it was a bit of a grind for him so it's there's a lot of learning and for those young players to to deal with not only just a different ice surface a different style of game a new organization they're getting used to living in a completely different country um moving away and they're still pretty young men so moving a long way away from home and that is a big adjustment so uh they've been able to be solid players for the moose like you said they've been in most of the games henry nikonen has been relied upon in a lot of key situations to win face-offs as a centerman and that's tough as a young guy in the league there's a lot of savvy veterans out there and when you're stepping into the face-off dot against a guy like logan shaw in toronto you better be ready to bring it every night because he will cave you in in that face-off dot as we saw what he would do nightly for the moose when he was a member of the team so uh for Nikonen to be relied upon in all those situations he's a key penalty killer usually one of the first guys over the wall for Eric Dubois PK which is one of the top in the league working alongside Christian Reichel uh, he's been very reliable in that sense and then he's been able to chip in offensively where he can and for Torgerson it's it was a bit of a grind and here's a guy that is has the big heavy shot he's got the big body still learning to use that effectively in the style of game that we play here in North America but of late, three goals now his last five games. He's been finding that touch around the net. He's been taking advantage of some opportunities. And he, along with Nikonen and Nicholas Jones, seem to have found a little bit of chemistry and have provided a pretty good line for the Moose that have spent a lot of time in the offensive zone. So starting to come along for those guys. And it'll certainly be interesting to see in the second half of the season how that work is going to start to pay off for them that they've been working with the coaches. Getting the latest on the Moose on the road with Dan Fink, the play-by-play voice of the Manitoba Moose. Of course, you can hear all Dan's calls, cgob.com and moosehockey.com for the latest on the Moose. Um, you know, we've talked about Villy before. Of course, we had Declan Chisholm on when he was announced to the All-Star game on a couple weeks back. Um, Leon Gavanka, you know, another. I mean, the, they've got some real highly skilled, talented offensive defensemen. But T. Konopoli will kill me if I don't bring up T- uh, Tyrell Bauer because... This young man in his first, in his rookie season as a pro has definitely made an impact in the lineup and probably made an impact to a few domes on uh, opposing players. Um, fill us in on this guy. If people have not seen Tyrell Bauer, 
what he has brought to the Manitoba Moose and how his rookie season's gone as a pro, Dan? Yeah, I mean, most uh, the most notable thing probably about his season so far is that dance card that he has, and it's been punched by a, a few pretty big ticket uh, tough guys. When you look at the American Hockey League and even the NHL, I mean, Scott Sabrin is a guy who dropped the gloves with regularity uh, in the National Hockey League, and all that happened when he got into it with Tyrell Bauer was Bauer started that fight on his knees with no helmet and managed to win the tilt. So when you're starting out like that against one of the notable tough guys in either league, that's that's pretty good. So you can see the videos online. He can certainly knows how to handle himself. But for Bauer, I mean, the most important thing is what happens the 98 other percent of the time when you're out on the ice. And that is to be a reliable defensive defenseman. That's always been his game. That's how he's been advertised coming up through junior hockey and now into the AHL. And for him, it's about uh, making those reads correctly. It's uh, knowing where he needs to be and uh, using his body effectively and picking his spots because you can't always step up for that big hit, especially in pro because uh, one, the guys that you're going to try and step into are just as big as you are. And two, if you're not careful, they're going to dance right around you and go to the goal. So for Bauer, it's about, effectively positioning himself and uh, working with that coaching staff again to just process the game and something that Eric Dubois always says about him and Mark Morrison as well is he loves to learn and he wants to learn and coaches love that and when you have a player who's willing to take that time and really put that in and hone their craft that's certainly a very valuable skill uh, on top of what happens on the ice. Um, Dan uh, of course we've got these two back-to-back games Friday and Saturday in Milwaukee then a break until Friday. Um, what happens with the cut? Is that is the All Star game uh, early next yeah. week? So yeah, so the will the players will you guys go back to the peg or? Yep. So the team will travel back. Well, some of the team will travel back to Winnipeg on uh, on Sunday. The rest of them will go to parts unknown to take a few days off, some well-deserved break time, except for Declan Chisholm, who will be heading to Laval along with Nolan Baumgartner and Mike Keane for their various responsibilities for the All-Star Classic. And they'll have the skills competition on uh, on Sunday night and the All-Star game on the Monday night. And you can catch those. If they're on TSN and RDS. So that's going to be carried uh, in in Canada on their previous couple seasons, I think, was on Sportsnet. This year it'll be on TSN. So you can see Declan Chisholm skating with the best the AHL has to offer those two nights. So that should be a lot of fun. Nolan Baumgartner is going to get inducted into the AHL Hall of Fame, which is cool. He's been waiting for that now for a little bit. And uh, Mike Keane will be one of the honorary captains. I'm sure he won't be able to have a good time with that at all. Um <laughs> running around uh, doing bringing his brand of chaos i'm sure to uh, the dressing rooms there so uh should be a lot of fun but yeah a little well-deserved break for the team otherwise and then uh, they'll get back to it in grand rapids travel down there the day before so uh it'll be a bit of a whirlwind but uh you know what uh, i think that they'll all take it for that uh, couple of days rest dan great stuff uh enjoy the greek freak and the bucks game tomorrow and uh all that barbecue you're going to be hitting a little bit later on. Enjoy the day <laughs> off uh, in Milwaukee, great city, and uh, looking forward to the calls on the weekend uh, as the Moose try and finish strong heading into the All-Star break. Yeah, we'll be on cglb.com slash sports and AHL TV Friday night. That's a 7 o'clock puck drop. Pre-game coverage starts 15 minutes ahead of time. And then with the 6 o'clock puck drop on Saturday, we'll be on CJOB, the main station as well. So uh, you can catch us on terrestrial radio or in the usual digital format. So looking forward to it. Always a lot of fun when the Moose and Admirals get together. And we're talking about that Moose and Marley's rivalry, not necessarily being as spicy as it always has been. You want to talk about spicy rivalries. The Moose and Admirals have played each other all a lot the last couple seasons and they don't like each other very much as a result so usually a good real good time 
Uh, some great history. I still think back of Bill Bowler's uh, epic OT winner back in the old days. And uh, both teams still going strong. Looking forward to it this weekend. Fink, thanks for doing this, buddy. Have a great one. Thanks, us. Have a great day. All right. There's Dan Fink, play-by-play voice of the Manitoba Moose. And again, cgob.com slash sports. And again, Saturday night on the main station, 680. You know where to find them. Dan Fink with the uh, play-by-play for all Moose. And by the way, does a great job greeting you if you call the True North offices on the phone. Uh, that, of course, is the uh, the dulcet tones of the voice of the Moose. Dan Fink. All right. Billick's coming up next. We'll talk about Jets at the All-Star break, um, as well as some other big topics in and around the world of sports, I'm sure. Before we do that, I do have to give a uh, remind you all that um, winter is here. There's still lots to do, though, in Winnipeg. We've got another month or so of the uh, River Trail. And if you haven't uh, tried it out yet because you don't have skates, head on down to Royal Sports. Listen, they've always been the hockey superstore in town, but they do have some affordable skates for just people that want to casually hit the ODR or uh, skate on the River Trail that won't set you back as if you're uh, buying a pair of skates to play in the National Hockey League. Um, One of the great things about Royal is when you have the amount of space and inventory that they have, they really do have the right choice for anybody that's looking to strap the blades on. While you're there, you can check out the uh, unparalleled selection of hockey equipment, sticks, and more, and the best selection of fan merchandise around, including thousands of pieces of Winnipeg Jets merch, including many exclusives, all the jersey options for you, tons of blue bomber gear, and your favorite NFL teams, NHL teams, Major League Baseball, NBA, and more. It's all there at Royal Sports. And don't forget that amazing Yeti section, too, if you're looking for some great Yeti merch. Follow them on Instagram, at Royal Sports Pemina, for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. And you can always um, find them at 750 Pemina Highway. Pop down and see him at Royal Sports. Um, if you're thinking about upgrading the wardrobe now that we're into the new year or looking ahead to summer with a number of big events, uh, you know where to go, fellas. F Apparel, the place for the best deals on custom suits and clothing for men. 190 Smith Street downtown. They've got it all. The entire process is really easy, especially for the suits. You decide on your fabric, colors, styles, They'll measure you up, and a few months later, or a few weeks later, you've got a beautiful custom suit made to order for you at an amazing price. Custom suits beginning at four hundred bucks. Chinos, golf pants, tucked and untucked shirts as well, custom made for you. Um, you'll get exactly what you want. It'll fit great and look even better. And fellas, if you're in a wedding party, talk to Andrew and the gang about a great deal and big savings when your wedding party gets outfitted from F Apparel. And if you've got a 2023 grad coming up in June, get a custom suit at for the graduate at F Apparel, and they'll get a free custom shirt and tie savings of about 150 bucks. F Apparel at ephapparel.com online. And, of course, 190 Smith Street downtown. And, hey, couple more games before the All-Star break officially begins. A great one tonight between the Boston Bruins and Toronto Maple Leafs. If you're thinking about a spot to get out, maybe have a couple schooners and watch the game, your local Boston pizza is the place. Great daily specials. Obviously the best spot in town to watch the game with the big game and big sound on the big screens. 
And while you're there, ice cold schooners, the best wings in town, delicious pizzas and more. And if you can't make it to your local BP, stay at home, stay warm and order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's uh, talk a little Jets at the uh, All-Star break with Scott Billick of the Winnipeg Sun who joins us now. Billick, what's up? How are you? I'm good, man. You recovered from the weekend yet? That was a close one. I have. I have recovered. I'm still on a high, though. Um, And, you know, the funny thing was, as we kind of talk Jets here, I did uh, find there's a great hockey bar in Kansas City called the Blue Line. And they've got the full center ice package. Um, And we were out hitting a few spots. And um, we said, hey, let's hit the Blue Line. We'll be able to watch this hockey game tonight. Um, and watch the jet. And again, when you're watching it in a packed bar on a visiting team's feed without sound, um, right. you know, it, it's not <clears throat> the best way. I mean, I didn't have any hot takes after the game, uh, <laughs> but I mean, I did see it and kind of saw the jets wilt through that game. And then heard what <laughs> our guy bones had to say afterwards, absolutely spitting fire. Unlike I think anything we've seen at any point this season, so it was very interesting yeah. what we were going to see out of the Winnipeg Jets on Monday night. And in a game that I think everyone will remember for a long, long time, I thought the team played quite well. They carried the play. They had the majority of the chances. But you could just feel the tension in the building and around the club, even if you're watching on television, with the way that Jordan Bennington was stoning them. And in a, in a, a, a capsule, if that was just one game, you'd think, hey, the team's playing well. But with everything that led up to that yeah. game, it really did seem like it was in some ways a bit of a a real incredible test for the Winnipeg Jets. And, man, we'll be referring to this one as the Morrissey game for a long time, Scott, because he, um, yeah. he stood up, put a team and a fan base on his back and reminded them that it was time to get going after he <laughs> scored. Um, interested in your thoughts on yeah. what happened in the third period on Monday and what that might do for the player and the team when the team gets back after the break. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the uh, – I haven't seen a celebration like that. I'm trying to think of, like, the last one, maybe the the lid flip by Blake Wheeler. Like, I, I'm really trying to think of one that, like, that sort of made a statement, right? Like, and, and that one made a statement. Like, you could see it, – it, it was crazy because you're kind of watching it and and – they showed Morrissey on the Jumbotron as he's coming by. So I don't know if it was on the TV first or not, but he's coming by and he's looking at the crowd and he does the let's and go thing. Right. And, and uh, you know, you could tell at that point, I mean, I mean, it's easy in hindsight now to say that, Oh yeah, well, obviously that, that pumped up the team, but like there was time that you could like, you know, essentially hear a rat piss on cotton in there. Right. Like it was so quiet at times. It was, it was, it was bad, and, and you're like, okay, well, you know, and and the Boo Birds after after the second period were out again because I mean, maybe unfairly because the Jets were they had a lot of shots and Jordan Bittington was unreal in that game. Like some of the saves he made were were go un- for six on the power play in that well, situation and people well, exactly. will be anxious. They will be, and and especially given that you threw up two duds and probably your two worst yeah. games of the last few seasons, um, back to back essentially. Um, and given all the context of the season, how good the Jets have been and where they are in the standings, um, there was a lot riding on last game. You could feel it in the room earlier. You talked to some guys. It was like they wanted to win that game. Um, and some of them, I think, needed it um, to, to remind themselves that, you know, that they are a good club. 
um, that they're a good team. And and you you listen to Mark Shifley and, and and that after the game, you could tell that this was weighing on that team, especially after what Rick Bonus said on Saturday after the game. I mean, those were those were incendiary comments, right? I mean, those those were. Um, There's no wiggle room. I mean, there wasn't, right? I mean, you know, he didn't mince his words. Um, he called out his best players. Um, he he took shots at his best players, essentially. Um, and 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 almost, uh, you know, well, the, the the quote of the night to me was, you know, I was surprised that there wasn't more booze, right? Essentially, is what he said. Well, and Remus um, brought that up. Bad. Yes, Remus right? brought that up yesterday, yeah. and in some ways. Like, as I said, I got back from KC at the end of the first period, so I mm. wasn't in the building, but, I mean, I could hear it, and I was a little bit surprised considering the way the team was playing. But, you know, in some ways, Bonus almost challenged the fans to do that more, and I think maybe yeah. they took it a little bit further <laughs> because that wasn't a performance that probably was boo-worthy, right. but it was more the overall situation that they found themselves in at yeah. that time. Yeah, and and exactly. And and so I think when Josh Morrissey scored that goal, like you could – you could almost feel like, you know, whatever you want to call it, the monkey off the back, the weight of the world off their shoulders. Like that goal was yeah. it was a good goal. He streaks down the side, he rips one, goes in. You know, they needed that goal and it sparked their comeback, right? I mean that that's the thing. One one thing was it was forty seconds after um I believe his name is uh, and and Alexandrov, um Nikita Alexandrov from from the blues. It was 40 seconds after they made it two nothing, and he and his goal made it two nothing, and and both of Winnipeg's goals they gave up in that game were just poor coverage, right? I mean, both of them were essentially breakaways. Um, you know that 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 two nothing goal could have crippled the Jets early in the third there, um, and Morrissey didn't let it. I mean, you could see though Morrissey, especially on Saturday, he was frustrated. He was frustrated. Uh, I mean, he was going after Flyers players, but I think that was more of a, a show of frustration. Um, just on the fact that, um, you know, the way that it was going. I mean, this team has taken a lot of pride in what they've done this year and didn't. So that goal was huge. And then you see Shifley score, and then Morrissey scored the game winner 21 seconds after Shifley put one in. Um, and, and, you know, that place was, hasn't been that loud in a while, um, the Bellar uh, Canada Life Centre. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, they needed that win. And, 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 you know, it wasn't a must-win game because you know you can't say that, um, but I think it was for mentality um, and going into that break, not on a four-game losing streak for the first time this season, not with eleven days to stew about it. Um, you know, th- they played that game even when they got down two nothing. They didn't get away from the structure in that game, and that was something that that it kind of crumbled within them, uh, underneath them in the previous two games and, and, and has a little bit over the lot. I mean, they only won two of seven after they won eight of nine. Right. So, um, you know, the foundation stayed um, rock solid in that game and, and, and as many saves as Jordan Bennington was making, um, you know, they kept coming and eventually it paid off. And, and again, they spoke about that, right? I mean, Rick bonus talked about commitment being, uh, you know, you got to be committed. You got to pay the price is what he said. Um, they paid the price in that game on on Monday, and yeah, you can say it's the Blues or whatever. You know, it doesn't matter if the team was 16 points behind you or not. You had to win that game, especially you know you already lost two teams outside of the playoff line. You can't lose to a third one, um, and they didn't. And you know, it, it's it changes it changes everything, right? I mean, we're talking about Josh Morrissey being this, you know, stepping up. You know, I wrote about him, you know, basically being a captain without the C this year. 
the way that he's played, what he's led this team on and off the ice, the stories would have been completely different if they would have lost their fourth straight. And 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 I think that you know the fan sentiment, everything, right? I I think it changed um, a lot of the narrative of this team. I don't think it erases how they've played because they have to fix some stuff, obviously, the way that they had played. But I think I think that showed that they can overcome. Um, you know, the adversity that they were facing. And that's a sign of a good team. I, I think I think that win said a lot about, you know, answering the bell, um, um, dealing with the pressure uh, of losing and being a good team and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, they, they responded to Rick Bonus, which is, you know, you want to see that because um, a lot of the guys were pretty upset about it. I, I don't think Mark Shafley was too pleased about being called out, but Mark Shafley went out and did the right thing. Um, and, and basically ate, you know, ate the words and came out and scored a big goal for the and team. And you know what? And, this, yeah. isn't the, this isn't the first time. I mean, no. you know, I think back to, I think back, what was it, the, the second preseason game when he called out the shift length of the top guys and yep. the message was received. May not have loved it, but it worked. And, um, you know, sometimes this team, I think, needs a little bit of tough love, and I'm not sure it was always there at times um, in the past. And, yep. you know, listen, you only have so many cards to play as a head coach, um, but it really did seem like that was the time for Rick Bonus to do that, to nip that in the bud. Because let's think back to some of the, you know, like previous seasons under Paul Maurice. At, at the end of the season, the Jets get into that slump and – there wasn't anything like that. There wasn't no. a real challenging of the players. There wasn't a true acknowledgement of what was going on. And there wasn't that reaction. I mean, yeah. that run at the end of two seasons ago, I mean, there was that one win for Paul Stastny's 1,000th game. But that broke yeah. up a stretch of a time. And that sort of reminded me of what the trajectory of the team was. And they yeah. stopped it. And you're right. Was it a must win for them? No, because they were going to no. have that break anyways. But... I mean, to go in just for the mental state of all of those players to, um, and the fan base, of course, I yeah. think was, was very crucial, but back to Morrissey for a minute. Yeah. Um, you know, that was a call to arms for his team, but also for the, the crowd. And <laughs> I mean, it was a, it was a true making a statement. It was like, let's effing go and come be with us. Don't turn on us. I know we haven't played that well, but. You know, and it was very interesting, his wording. You know, when he said before about the uh, the <laughs> booing, he said, well, at times we've deserved it. And I think the key part of that was at times. You can't just be reactionary and, oh, things aren't going well and immediately turn to that. But it did speak to the situation that the team had been in for the last couple of games and the way that they had been playing. And when you mentioned, I mean, we've talked a lot about potential new captains for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, I think it's been evidently clear that Josh Morrissey has kind of been growing into that guy. Uh, but as I tweeted out and a lot of people were talking about it, I don't know if you really need to wait till September. I mean, if you have yeah, a plan exactly. to do it, go for it. But I think we're seeing right now the answer to the question that we've been asking all season long 44 is going to have a C on his chest next year for the Winnipeg Jets, and he's acting and playing like one right now. And that moment, I guarantee you, Scott, when we, whenever this happens, yeah. and I'm basically, yes, I'm speaking as if it is a foregone conclusion <laughs> because I believe it is, yeah. that game on Monday night, I guarantee, will be brought up at that conference and will be cited as a moment when Josh Morrissey removed all doubts as uh, who a perfect leader for this team is going forward. And I think that's something that everyone in the dressing room, in the front office, and in the fan base can get behind. 
Yeah, hundred percent. My only argument would be Adam Lowry, and even then, you know, I just think that you know, given that Mark or that Josh Morrissey's here for another, I think at least five years, um, on left on his contract, I believe it's five years. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, everything that that he's done for the community, um, and then then yeah, this year, I mean, stepping up. I mean, Josh Morrissey has taken this whole season from the first conversation that he had with Rick Bonus. You know, the Norris talk, all that kind of stuff. Um, he, he's taken it, right? I mean, he's taken his team on his back. And, and you know, early on this season, I mean, when, you know, let's say Kyle Connor wasn't, you know, he was struggling maybe to score or whatever, it was Josh Morrissey putting up all the points. I mean, he was leading the team up until, what it was, game, you know, 37, I think, something like that, where he was leading the team in scoring. Um, he, he's done everything that's been asked of him, off the ice, he's the most requested guy this year. He's been in front of the mic more than anybody else um, on the team. So he's taken on that uh, through the wins, through the losses. Um, he handles all of that really well, um, <clears throat> you know, like a captain does. Um, and, 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 and then on the ice, I mean, you know, getting the crowd into it, uh, you know, all, all the little things, right? I mean, I, you watch Josh Morrissey on a daily basis as I, I get to do, you know, just – uh, you know, he, he sits in the room, he talks to whoever comes by, um, do, you know, does he want to all the time? No. And you could see that in the last couple of games, you know, he'd still be there after practice and, you know, you just, you know, walk up to him, talk, you know, whatever. I don't think he wanted to talk to anybody. I think he was just pissed off. Right. I mean, he was upset um, like any guy would be given how they were playing, but uh, he just carries himself in the way that you would want the captain of your team to do. And, and that's, you know, between him and Adam Lowry, I mean, I, I see both those guys. Uh, uh, they could be contenders. Well, for that. Lowry, Lowry's but interesting, and I'm with you. Like Lowry I, I does all of those things it, as right? well. No, yeah. no, he doesn't. And to be honest yeah. with you, what Josh Morrissey did on Monday night, like Adam Lowry, does not have that club in his bag. You know sure. what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, he's a guy that's always going to be there for his teammates. He's going to do the right thing. He plays hard. He does all the things that you want in a player. But you know. The, as a captain, there are unique times in the season where you have to yep. step up and and do exactly what we saw on Monday. And uh, I think that's where uh, why yeah, I, most people would agree that Josh is the guy going forward. Well, while we're while we're on this topic, um, because it is it, we are at the at the well, we're past the midway point of the season. The Jets yep. have thirty games left, but it is sort of good delineation. I don't think anyone would doubt that Josh Morrissey has an A grade on his season so far. Sure. How many other A's would you be given out when you look at the Winnipeg Jets over the course of this season? Um, probably two others. Uh, Connor Hellebuck gets one. Um, I think that's that's an easy one for me. I, I you know, I, I, he's also in the running for the MVP this season. I think Josh Morrissey would be up there too, in terms. I mean. It, it depends got a little what you closer in my book after yeah, Monday. It, it, sure, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it, I think recency bias will say, you know, okay, yeah, Josh Morrissey. But I mean, look at the season as a whole so far. Yeah, um, Connor Hellebuck has stolen him uh, quite a few games, and 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 so that's you know, depend again. It'll just be depends on what people think on that. But uh, Pierre Dubois, and and you know, all the noise. Strip away all the noise. The fact that he may or may not want to be here. Um, what a season Pierre Dubois has had, and and you know maybe he hasn't had the best few games or whatever, but I'm still giving him an A, um, and and because I think he has often at times been 
the guy that pulls his team into the fight uh, as well. Um, and 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 he's he's just played really well. I mean, it's it's offensive, defensive, physical, um, all those things. He's been right there. Um, and and so that would be probably it for me for A's. I mean, I, I put Mark Shifley probably at a B plus. Just the turnaround. Maybe that's just because based on on last year and all that. Um, you know, Mark Shifley only hit, you know, he hit 30 goals, uh, uh, the other night there, um, for just a third time in his career. I mean, uh, you know, if you were looking for someone to buy into, uh, we needed, you needed someone to buy into a new coach, a new system. It was Mark Shifley. Um, you know, I'd probably maybe put a B plus there. I mean, it's close to an A, maybe an A minus for, for, for Shifley as well. You know, I think Hall Connor has been good, but probably a B plus, um, you know, everybody else on defense would fall short of that. Um, you know, I, I, I think, yeah, but, but if you're going to, it's, it's Josh Morrissey with the A, uh, Connor Hellebuck, arguably with an A plus, probably an A. Um, and, uh, definitely, I think in my mind, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, because I think he brings, I think he brings it every night. And, and, you know, again, if he was signing here long-term, um, and we, you know, he already had, or if he, if, you know, that was a, you know, kind of a foregone conclusion as well, he could probably be in the running for the captaincy as well. Um, but you know, I don't think, I, I, uh, I think we're getting kind of to the point where you're kind of almost accepting what's going to happen with him, um, and then go from there. Um, so, but I but think that's overplayed. I think that's overplayed yeah. to be honest is with it? you. I mean that, yeah, well, I mean, what, what has changed from last summer to now a lot, and... it is, but also his value has gone up. Right, yeah. I mean that's the other thing. So, uh, well, I mean, I, that doesn't change it at all. I, in no, my but opinion. I think the thing that always was there for him is like you know you have this opportunity to have every team you know fawning over you in a year, a year and a half now, and are are you going to turn that down? And, and I think. Well, let, think let me for, put this because I mean I realize it's easy yeah. to kind of just say, "Well, this is a done deal. He's gone." And right. listen, there is some evidence that would point that way. I'm certainly not discounting that by any mm. stretch of the imagination. But how different is it that when Kyle Connor signed his extension or Ehlers or, I mean, the Jets have done an unbelievable job of signing players once they're here and keeping them here long term. Yeah. And listen, last year was a freaking disaster. I mean, anyone that thought that they were going to get something done on a long-term deal coming out of the mess that was last season, I think was kidding themselves and all of the noise around what happened in Montreal and what his agent said certainly added so much gas on the fire. Listen, it was great for us. I mean, it was, I mean, our biggest shows of the entire year were in the middle of the summer coming out of that. But I do think that, you know, you're around there all the time. He's a big part of this team loves being a, a, a teammate with these guys and they're having a ton of success. I guess my point is there's still a lot of games to be played. There's a lot of things that can happen. And both for Dubois personally, for his situation, he can improve it. But listen, if this team can get into the playoffs and have a long run and he can have his best season ever, I think that we're in a very different situation at that point than we were at the end of last year. So I don't close the door on anything. Stranger things have happened. But I do believe, but I, I definitely do believe that he's such an important asset that that's something you're going to have to vet pretty thoroughly at the end of this season and figure yeah. out where you're at. 
um, because that's not an asset considering what you gave up that I think you'd feel too comfortable playing out the stretch and have it walk away for zip. Yeah, no, he has to go in the summer if he's not going to sign, right? I mean, if it's going to arbitration and there's nothing that you can do, you got to trade him because what are you going to do going into the season? And then what if you have a good year, trade him at the trade deadline or get absolutely nothing for him? No, I, I don't see any of that happening. I mean, I, honestly, I see a sign and trade in the summer um, happening with Pierre Dubois, and, and that's probably what happens um, because, you know, I think the best return that the Jets are going to get is offering teams, other teams to be able to talk to them and find a deal that makes sense. Um, and then, and then let it happen. But yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, anything could happen. They could go on a long run. They could win, you know, they could win the Stanley cup and, and, and whatever. But I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just, I'm at a point where I, you know, if you're going to sign here, what's the holdup at this point? I mean, I guess you wait, right? You wait to see how the season plays out, maximize your earning potential, all that stuff. Um, I, I think the Jets would open up the, you know, the, the checkbook right now, though. To, to you know, like I, I don't, I don't think ten million is out of the equation, right? Like I, I think they would sign them for, for ten million, and at, right now, and and that would be it. I mean, I, I think, again, I think if both sides wanted this done, it'd be done already. I mean, that that's sort of my thing with with. Well, Pierre I'm just Dubois. saying that like, I, I, like it's incomplete. Like, as I said, I mean, I think what sure. happens the rest of this season and both sides have a lot of time. I mean, there's, there is no rush to yeah. do it. If he was sitting there going, yeah, by the way, this half season's gone great. I'm in sign him. Well, yeah, for <laughs> sure. And I mean, I, I'm by no means am I suggesting that. I just think that if we say, ah, oh, the ship has sailed and it's pretty much done. I think it's just an easy thing to say. That's not really true at this point. I mean, I think there's yeah, still a lot no, of things that have to happen. Right. There's just not a lot else to go on. Right. I mean, we've gone on all the noise. Um, you know, we, we've gone on a lot of the, 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 yeah, I, I just, I don't see a player. Who, uh, I shouldn't say that. I mean, yeah, no, you're right. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll find out in the summer. Yeah. And um, I mean, listen, I, I mean, speaking of that $10 million ticket, um, if you're yeah. going to re-sign Connor Hellebuck, um, I mean, I think that's going to be a, Carry Price contract, to be perfectly honest. It has I mean, to be, that, right? That Does is going not? to be there. And, you know, your ability to do both of those guys might be different. Um, but to be honest, all of that, it's fun, uh, you know, conversation to talk about the offseason. The time is now for the Winnipeg Jets because yeah. of all of those things, which, of course, brings us to the trade deadline, um, which Meyer. I think is going to be more <laughs> info, more I- I- interesting. Speaking of 10 million bucks. Yeah, $10 million qualifying offer. He said he'd be all right with nine. No, but I mean, just the qualifying offer. Like, if you want to keep this, like, regardless of what, you know, what happens on that. So, um, but Meyer is fascinating. And I know, I mean, listen, he is the top player on the market if you you look at it. Um, And I think the Jets absolutely have the assets to make that happen. If, from what we're reading, I mean, it's going to be a Bo Horvat type of return. Well, the Jets can do that. The Jets can absolutely do that. Yeah. Um, and if that happens, I that shows a clear, a clear indication that it is about this year and this year only right now. And I think that's the only way Kevin Sheveldayoff can act. Um, Timo Meyer is obviously at the top of the list. I mean, if you're putting your GM hat on right now and looking ahead to the next four weeks, and it starts with Timo Meyer. 
what is next? If you get Meyer, does that preclude you from doing many other things right now? Who are the other players of real interest to you, Scott, that you think we'll be talking about a lot in the next three to four weeks before the rubber hits the road on the third? Yeah, well, I mean, let's get the easy one out of the way. Jonathan Taves, right? I mean, we talked about him last time I was on. Um, you know, I just, I, you know, I think it's a move that would make sense in terms of that. I still question, you know, how much, how much it impacts the club, you know, just all the noise that would be around that for the first little bit. Um, but I, I think it's the right, uh, you know, I, I think that would really solidify kind of that third line going into the playoffs. Um, you could even play Adam Lowry out on the wing or whatever you would do. I mean, it, there's a lot of different ways to look at that one. Um, so that one, that, that, that's the easy one. It makes sense. He's a hometown kid, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I, I was talking with Ken Weeb up in the uh, the press box the other day. He, he threw out the name Ivan Barbashev, who was here the other night. Um, it was St. Louis. I do like that idea, too. A gritty guy, um, third-line guy. He you scored know, he 26 last year. He Ken, did, I'll yeah. give him credit. He's been pumping the tires of Barbashev as a potential yeah. ad for most of this season. Right, and and there's history between the Blues and the Jets in terms of trade deadline stuff, too, right? And if the Blues are going to be in sell mode, maybe you're looking at him. What about Ryan O'Reilly, right? I mean, you know, if you're looking for a rental player, Ryan O'Reilly. I mean, that, that could be a that could be a great move. Guy with Stanley Cup experience. Same with Barbashev, right? But, but Ryan O'Reilly, I mean, you want to face off wins. Rick Bonus loves it. <laughs> exactly. And Rick Bonus himself went in essentially everything, right? Um, so I, I, I like that idea. Um, I, what about Travis Konechny in Philadelphia? What's Philadelphia doing, right? Um, this name has been thrown out a lot before. Uh, I like Konechny. I, I like Konechny as much as I like Meyer. I like actually Konechny better in, in some cases because he's a year younger. Um, his contract's still better uh, than Meyer's. It, it will be bet. It'll be a lot when he has to resign, but I believe he has another year left on his deal uh, or maybe two years for Konechny on that deal. So I, I like a guy like Travis Konechny, if you can make that work. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's people, what happens with the Islanders if they don't make it? I mean, I know they went and got Bo Horvat, but you know, what happens if that doesn't change around? What about a guy like Gabriel uh, Pajot um, over there? I mean, he's that kind of guy, too, that that could be a, a good fit for this team. Well, the funniest thing is I totally agree with you on Pajot, and he's an interesting, a versatile yeah. player that could do it. But considering what Lou just did two days ago, I'm not sure... Like, what do you think about that deal? Well, I mean, what an aggressive move for a team that's got maybe a 20% chance of making the playoffs. The more I think well, about this since they, they made it, I think they got this done to see whether they could come to an agreement on a deal over the course of these yeah. next three weeks. And if things go even further south for the Islanders and it doesn't look like they're going to have any clarity on that, I could see Bo Horvat getting traded again at the deadline, to be honest. Which would be hilarious, right? Um, you're right. I, I think that it would deal be hilarious done, if they got a way better package than Vancouver did. I know. With what they well, traded. So that see, that's my problem with this deal. Is like, what it? What is Vancouver doing? Like, I mean, first of all, Jim Rutherford or whoever was it, Alvin, who came out and said we got three first round picks, and then realized that that Ratu, I think his name is actually pronounced Ratu, even though it looks like Ratty. Yeah. Um, it was a second he, round. Pick, he fell into the second, is, but he was he a did. player that people, he was like a Brad Lambert yeah. type, basically. Sure. Yeah. Brad Lambert still went in the first round, though. So, um, but yeah, anyways, my whole thing is like, why, why, like, why pull the trigger now if you're Vancouver? Like, I, I guess you're worried that he gets, that he gets hurt and then, and then that's it. 
that's but like our people like he was the number one name on all on every trade board right given the season that he's having unbelievable year um you know do you not wait a little bit longer to see if you can get a better return right i mean i, I don't know i mean they 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 like it they got a they got a first round pick uh, obviously top 12 protected there in this year because nobody wants to nobody's giving unprotected picks in in, in this uh, uh in this year's draft um, but you know, going back to the Islanders, yeah, I mean, I, I I think it's hilarious, you know, to think that they could trade him if they can't figure it out. I think that deal was done though, um, having some sense that you know this is probably where he would sign long term. Um, you know, I think Borhorvitz, the type of guy, um, I you know, I mean, I, I I do believe what he says that he would have signed long term in Vancouver. He didn't want to leave. Um, you know, you're the captain of the team, uh, and 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 I think he took pride in that there. Um, but yeah, you know, it could be possible. And then what's Lou going to do? I mean, are you going to rebuild there? I mean, you have some good pieces. That's the thing. Um, uh, it, it's a weird one. You just signed Barzell. Barzell's got a big ticket uh, that he'll walk into next year um, with his, I think it's 9.5. He's making something like that. Um, but I like Pajot. I, I like the way, the type of player he is. I liked him when he was in Ottawa. Um, you know, I think he's a good it would be a good ad. And, and so, you know, I have Peugeot, Barbashev, because Kenny convinced me of it. Um, I, I like Ryan O'Reilly, Caves, but, but I, I really like Timo Meyer. And if the Jets are in it, and there's been some talk that, you know, they are, um, I, I like Timo Meyer more of a long-term guy, like a guy that you would do a sign and trade with San Jose, bring him in, pay whatever the price is. Um, you know, they're going to want picks, and, and they're going to want probably – Probably a Billy, you know, maybe a Brad Lambert. What about a Chaz Lucius? I mean, you know, this, this is the price of doing business in this in this league. But if you're if you're trying to extend your window um, for the next couple of years, and 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 you think, and, and I, I mean, the Jets will have a better idea than we would about what's going to happen with Pierre Luc Dubois. Um, you know, I, I've I've talked to some guys in the analytics community. You know, and the Jets have two wingers like an Ehlers and a, or a Connor and a, and a Meyer and then play, you know, an average center in the middle on the second line of success. And, you know, the analytics people think that that is possible. So if you, if you look at that, I mean, would Timo Meyer soften the blow of losing, losing Pierre Dubois, if the Jets know that's kind of the road that it, this is, um, you know, there's other things you can do if that doesn't, I mean, if Pierre Dubois signs and you sign Timo Meyer to a big ticket. Yeah. I mean, you're going to lose Blake Wheeler in a year. Maybe you do something at the end of this season to kind of, you know, figure out how to, you know, lose that money for next season. Um, but at this point, you know, I, I, I like the Jets. I think they have to look at the top, right? You have to look at a Meyer because if that's what you're doing, if you believe this team, and I think the West is wide open, and I think we both agree on that. I mean, you look at the West. I'm even not sure it's ever been more wide open. Exactly. And the way that the Jets were playing and losing there, nobody really set themselves apart, right? It wasn't like Vegas nope. went off. Um, you know, Seattle's been playing Dude, really well. Vegas, I, I get that. But, Vegas, but remember, yeah. remember the start of the year? No, I know. Vegas I started 13 and 2. Yeah. Vegas, Vegas right now. So they were 11 injuries. games. They were 11 games above 500 at the beginning of the, like through the first 15 games. They're at that exact same spot right yeah. now, 29 and 18 so far. They've basically been a 500 NHL 500 it's team. Crazy since game 15 of the regular yeah. season. And, yes, injuries have had something to do with that. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, Jack you're right. Eichel the Kraken the are the first-place team in the I Pacific. Know. And full, like, credit to what Hack's doing there and what they've done. I mean, to me, the team to beat is still the Colorado Avalanche 
and they've <laughs> got listen they're fourth place right now in the central division in a wild card spot yeah i mean i i i don't know what to think of the colorado avalanche i really don't i mean it's weird they've also been decimated by injury. yeah don't get me wrong like i mean that's the thing if they're getting gabe landis card back for the playoffs and they can add at the trade deadline because Landis Cog's, you know, not going to have his cap hit um, there, so they can add and and because they're an LTI uh, IR right now, um, you know, I, I I think that team is one of those teams. It, it'd be like in LA if if they they kind of sort of sneak into it or whatever ha- happens there. Um, I, I still think they'll be great and good to go for the playoffs, battle tested, all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Jets have also shown they can beat Colorado this season. Um, injured, not injured. The Jets were also injured. You know, the one time they went, the Jets were still dealing with some injuries themselves when they walked into Colorado there and beat them. So um, I, I like it, the stage is set for this season to be that year, right? Like this is the year that I don't know. I don't know if there could be a better setting for Kevin Shovel Day off to go for it. And so what does go foring mean? I think like go foring is taking the grand slam swing. Not just you know whatever, trying to get a signal and drive a run in from second. You're tr- you know trying to do the walk off here, right? And 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 I think four I bases, think be, four well, rounds. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you got to well, go through the go. cycle. You know what? You do, and 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 so I mean, it starts at taking a big swing at a guy like Timo Meyer, right? I mean, I think that's where it starts, but it doesn't end there either. I mean, because I think you want to, so you get Timo Meyer, he goes straight into your top six, of course. But then you still want a Johnny Caves or somebody like that um, to, to 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 get your bottom six kind of or your middle six, let's say, kind of solidified going the playoffs. And then what what else do you want? Do you want Luke Shen? I mean, I think Luke Shen's available. Do you want a gritty kind of big defenseman like Luke Shen that that is, well, is going to be would. a guy? Well, exactly. And I think that's what it is, right? Because what's the biggest question mark on this team on the defense all season? has been that sixth defenseman. Well, you get a guy like Luke Shen or, or somebody like that, you know, a guy who's been around the block, um, big, durable, gritty, that sort of thing. That's what they want for that six. And if Logan Stanley's not going to run with it and Dylan Sandberg's not going to run with it, well, you don't have to have them run with it, right? I mean, get another guy in there that, that's going to do that. And then you have Sandberg and Stanley as like the 7-8, and if somebody gets injured, whatever, you know, that is. I, I, you know, I think this is a year where you, you have the cap space to do it, you have the team to kind of entice guys to come, um, you know, the the rentals, and then you can take a huge swing and try and get like an Meyer, in my opinion, a Konechny, somebody like that, um, and try and pry one of those guys off of these these two teams that are, you know, Philly might be looking to sell as well. And and so if you're looking to do that, trying to get younger, whatever, I think I think the door is shut on on Ivan Provorov for obvious reasons around here. Um, so you know, I think for you know, for the Jets, yeah. I mean, it, it, this is this is the year. It's the year to try it, right? I mean, I don't think you have to sell the farm to do it. I think you're going to have to pay a price. Well, but listen, I don't think the Jets come getting, out of here with If you're nothing, getting right? Taves and Timo Meyer and somebody on the blue line, I hate to say it, but we will be selling the farm. Well, you're it selling be... the farm, but I don't think you're getting rid of all your prospects, right? I mean, I don't think you're getting – like, I don't think the, everybody's gone. No, and certainly, uh, certainly there'll be plenty of picks they that do would that be because a, I don't think you know Taves. What they're start arguing, right, right, and it's a second and third for Taves. I don't think Luke Shen would cost that much. Um, the the Meyer one is the one that you're like, okay, yeah. this is going to hurt when you look at it. But what are you getting in return? And if you get a guy in a long term extension, in that, 
Well, and that's a, and that's a big is, thing. And who knows whether that extension happens or not, but the bottom line is you do have the option of qualifying him right? and uh, and then trading his rights to somewhere else that he would be happy to sign with long-term and, yep. you know, end up getting something back. It is a fascinating scenario. Scotty, enjoy a, a few days away from the rink, man. Thanks oh, yeah. for doing this. And uh, we'll catch up next week as the Jets get ready to get back at it with a 9 p.m. or on Saturday night. Oh, Guaranteed. Drunkest crowd of the entire season <laughs> with all that time to uh, to – to probably hopefully it'll be a little louder than it was for the first couple periods of that blues game on Monday night. Thanks for doing this, dude. Yeah, anytime, man. Appreciate good stuff. It. There's Scott Billick of the Winnipeg Sun. Um, good stuff. We are going to talk some football. Davis Sanchez coming up in just a second. Uh, of course, the Scotties are right around the corner, and I know a number of people were asking what's up, whether we'll be doing well. We certainly will hopefully get well one particular skip on in Jennifer Jones. Of course, Team Jones, proudly sponsored by our great friends and sponsors at Princess Auto, the leaders in uh, well, in our community supporting the Bombers, Gold Eyes, and our top curling teams, including Reed Carruthers and Jennifer Jones. And Princess Auto is also where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, if you want to visit inside, and of course, you can shop online and get those wheels turning on your next project 24 7, 365 at princessauto.com. Um, if you have needs in the water game, you know who to go to the experts at Culligan Water, family owned for over 65 years here in Winnipeg, have been the go to people for all things water going on seven decades now. Uh, they've got it all. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems and drinking water systems, not to mention citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Pop down and see the folks at Culligan in person, 1200 Sergeant Avenue. You can give them a call at 694-5180 or check out everything that Culligan can do for you and your family online at drinkculligan.com. And a big cheers to our friends at Canadian Club for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Well, we're now into February, counting down to CFL free agency, the draft, and then, of course, this season, unfinished business for the Bombers. And uh, just the thought of it being nice outside and being back at IG Fields is a pretty nice thought, not to mention having a CC and Ginger or a CC and Rye uh, and Coke in your hand at a bomber game right now. In the meantime, pop down and get the great taste of Canadian Club and all the Beam Suntory products at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. All right, lots of hockey talk already, but the huge news today, Tom Brady's retirement and uh, still getting over those, um, well, one dud and one incredible conference championship game and the Super Bowl matchup. And who better to chop that up with than former three-time Grey Cup champ, former NFLer, and TSN football analyst, Davis Sanchez. Jess, what's going on? What's happening? Uh, all those guys didn't have as good of a weekend as, as you did. Uh, I was stuck in a dark studio when you were tailgating, drinking beers, and celebrating, I assume. That is... Uh... That is exactly correct. Uh, it was uh, it was a hell of a hell of a trip, and uh, man, what a game! And we'll get to those in a minute. I'm very interested in your thoughts on what happened on Sunday and a look ahead to the Super Bowl. Uh, but let's start with the huge news today: Tom Brady hits the socials 
and drops a very brief one-minute video saying, that's it, he is done. Um, what did you think when you saw it? Yeah, I saw it come across. Uh, I got an email. It's funny. I got an email from like one of our stats guys with all of Brady's lifetime lifetime achievements. And I, I just kind of ignored it because he sends us stuff every day with updated stats and, and stuff. So I ignored it. And then, but I did think for a second, like, what is that? Why is he sending me this right now? Anyway, and then I see on Twitter about half an hour later. So I knew a half hour before and then didn't, uh, not before anyone else did. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's it's hard for guys as good as the greatest Tom is to, to know when to say when. You know, how many, it's very rare that people retire on top and Tom's definitely not retiring uh, on top. He had a down year, but, but he's still... Um, you know, we're going to remember Tom as, as, as the great Tom and, and he's not, uh, he was far, was far from a shell of himself. I think, I think him still being close to, you know, the, the top echelon of quarterbacks kind of is a, is a really good thing because I didn't want to, I was hoping he wasn't going to go somewhere else because he's just been so great that, uh, it's nice to, nice to see him be able to walk away and not see him a shell of himself. And that's it for me. That was, he's my last guy, by the way, last guy in the NFL that I played against in the league was, uh, I had drew and Tom remaining and drew shut it down with a teammate, obviously. And then, and then, uh, and Tom's that's it for me. Now I'm officially an old, old shit. <laughs> um, you know, the thing that surprised me uh, about seeing that video today, when I woke up this morning was like everything that he went through personally off the field to come back last year and the disappointment that was the Buccaneers in the 2022 season and the fact that he'd said all along he wasn't planning on wasn't planning on, on hanging him up it does seem like I mean it's still this season is still fresh and I'm not sure whether it was watching the level that the four remaining teams were playing out on the weekend or what? But when you look around the league, Chez, especially a team that played on Sunday, I couldn't help but think that the San Francisco 49ers, with all of that talent, and Brock Purdy, who's going to be out for six months, might be a perfect spot for a little swan song for a California kid. I mean, it would have been a hell of a spot to land in. And listen, this guy's about winning. We all know that. And that would have been a chance to win. And uh, listen, I, I, I take him for his word. I mean, he certainly seems sincere. But I do have to wonder in the back of my head that if a glorious opportunity like that comes up, maybe later on in the off season, if maybe we're doing this all again in a year. Do you do you think that he had the conversation with the 49ers brass to see if if he was interested? Because you're right; it seems like a, an obvious fit. But Trey Lance is their guy. It wasn't it wasn't about Brock Purdy anyway. Really, it was about about Trey Lance. I would think. Um, you think Tom would have had the conversation with? I would have well, thought he. I, I would think he had that conversation. Yeah, listen. I mean, I think John Lynch probably would have, you know, had uh, had some speaks with him at some point. I mean, the thing about Trey Lance is, and it, it it is such a fascinating scenario. They have done so well, literally in every aspect of building that team, and they gave up so much to get Lance. Um, and Lance was underwhelming, and then he was hurt, and he's a huge, huge question mark. I mean, we've heard going into the NFC championship game that regardless of what happened, Purdy was the guy going forward for the 49ers. And now this injury throws everything up in the air. Like with the talent going forward, going forward that week and the rest of the playoffs, not, not next season. 
There's no way that there's no way that I think the Brock's pretty story was cool and great, but his I think we're I think we're kind of overhyping what he did with that with that offense with those weapons. And there's a lot of guys I think that could do what he did, and, and not to diminish what he did, but I think talent wise and ceiling wise, I think you would agree that. But at least you'd hope that Trey Lance could bring something really special to that Shanahan offense. And then well, I don't think Brock Purdy can. Well, there's a reason why they uh, traded all those picks to get him at number three and right. why Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant, the final right. pick of the seventh round. All that being said, I don't know if they can really trust either of those young quarterbacks. And the time is now for the 49ers. And, um, it'll be fascinating to see what they do at that position, whether they get at least a veteran to come in and compete with Trey Lance. Um, because last year, of course, it was going to be Lance, but they still had Jimmy G. And they've been able to win with Jimmy G, even when they didn't think he was playing well. I mean, hell, in the NFC Championship game last year, he threw the ball eight times. Um, right. <laughs> and Baker, yet they find ways to win. Baker Mayfield. Baker, well... Baker's story this year was fascinating because, you know, we all know he got cut loose by Cleveland. He went to Carolina, flamed out there. And then, you know, the way he resuscitated his career, or at least his image somewhat in L.A., was, um, I mean, it was great to see. I, he's going to get another chance. I would take and, him in San Francisco. I mean, him for San Francisco as a as a guy that goes in and, and is the backup. I don't think you can... Let him compete because then now you have a controversy. But if you say Trey's a starter, Baker's our backup, knowing dang well that that you don't know what you're getting from Trey. You got a pretty good or pretty talented backup, at least that I wouldn't mind seeing in that offense. But I, for some reason, I'm one of the only ones that continuously backs Baker Mayfield. I don't know. I just there's some about him that I, that I like probably because he's five foot eleven and looks like he's uh, doesn't look like an NFL player and he's pretty darn good. Yeah, he's he's. He's a funny dude because, I mean, he. It, it, we still kind of think of him as this underdog with a chip on his shoulder. He was the number one overall yeah, pick in the draft. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know. this, this yeah. is not a Mr. Irrelevant, um, but he certainly does that. And I, I'll say this. I have major questions as to the future of Matt Stafford, though. And I think Baker has found that he had a little bit of success on a team with a brilliant offensive coach. And, you know, he needs to be in a spot where he'll have the opportunity to play and have the opportunity to succeed. And I'm not sure there's a better spot than where he is right now with the Rams if Stafford is still a big question mark. Um, With Brady moving on, um, that'll be the huge story for the next couple days. But, of course, we're getting ready for the Super Bowl. We've just come out of, you know, two, well, one complete dud of a championship game and one classic in a lot of ways uh, but you know while we're talking about the Niners we may as well get to that NFC game um, it didn't matter Christian McCaffrey we were at a tent at Arrowhead and they had the uh, the TVs up and we're watching this game Eagles are up 7 nothing, and that run that McCaffrey had it was like this guy's going to will this team to win or at least to stay in it on his own but then the bottom fell out when you've got you know Josh Johnson playing quarterback getting hurt Purdy going back in it does bring up some questions about maybe changing the rules of having a third quarterback because that was embarrassing for the National Football League to essentially have the game over at halftime um but credit where credit is due this Eagles team has been a juggernaut all season long a lot of people will look at their schedule and will look at their path to the Super Bowl and say who have they really beat but they've beaten everyone in their way. I mean, the Niners, great team. Obviously, it wasn't their day. But what do you take away from the Eagles' path and the way they 
throttled a very good team and put up a lot of points against a world-class defense. Yeah. I mean, like I'm one of those people that will that would say who who have they played and who have they beaten. But you're right; they beat everyone that that they put on a schedule. They put in front of them, and even even that, like the Chiefs had a much tougher much tougher schedule, playing a much tougher conference, obviously, uh, a much tougher path to get where they are now. And even with all that, the Eagles are better almost everywhere. They're better offensive line, defensive line, better defense better run game. They're better everywhere. Uh, better receivers everywhere, except for one position. Obviously, uh, that's quarterback. And in a, in a game like this, um, the pressure that's going to be on Jalen Hurts' shoulders is immense. And that's that's the whole reason that this – look at the line. I mean, the line this game – I haven't heard one person in the last 48 hours that I listened to or – Talk to or respect. I can't say I haven't heard one person, but very few, if any, that think that the Eagles aren't aren't a huge favorite right now. Yet the line is not moving over two. Like if if everyone thinks the Eagles are a much better team, why can't that line get to three? It doesn't make any sense, except for we all know that in a game like this, so much is on the quarterback's shoulders. I can tell you a hundred reasons why the Eagles are a better team and why they should win this game, but Jalen Hurst didn't look great last week. His stat line was okay, but he didn't look great. Uh, and you got Patrick Mahomes, maybe, maybe arguably the best to ever do it, or at least the most talented to ever do it. I'll ride with you on that on both of those, uh, on both of those from a Chiefs perspective. Yeah. Um, the Mahomes performance on Sunday. I mean, you as a former player know what it's like playing with an injury, especially at that position, the high ankle sprain, what he was able to do with his arm basically on one leg the running. I mean, I've watched every game this guy's played since he's come into the league and there have been games would have been more spectacular, more high flying. I think this was the game though, that put a stamp on him as a, as a true all time. Great. I mean, you were sitting there at the TSN studios watching the whole thing. What did you think about the performance of Mahomes and how he, in a lot of ways, willed his team to win a, a, a win along with a defense that stepped up when they absolutely needed it, which was the full 60 minutes. Yeah, just greatness, right? I mean, there's look when you have an injury like that, and just to watch it, you as a Chiefs fan, you you follow the Chiefs much uh, more close than I do, and, and closer than I do. But I would say the greatness in him, the fact that he had the injury was that serious for him. Um, rarely saw him. You would see him wince for a second, and as he wince, like he's looking at Andy Reid to get the play call. He's He's getting the formations. He's just so dialed in um, and then sitting sit in the pocket. I always, I said this after the game, you know, when you're sitting in the pocket and there's, you know, you got a pass rush coming out, you, you have to keep your eyes downfield. Got to be, I've never done about a quarterback, but it's got to be a, a pretty scary thing. Imagine being on one leg without the ability to move or protect yourself. And he stood in the pocket time and time again and made those throws. Like, if he's making throws outside the pocket on the run, okay, that's impressive, but he's just fighting through pain. What was more impressive is when he sat in there in the pocket on one leg to the very last second and getting the ball out, especially that the MVS, the Scandling touchdown, was uh, was amazing because it was a, it was a cover one robber where the, the safety is going to rob the first inside route. He knew it. They ran something, so a little bit of cheese, right in front of the safety's face to get him to come down. He had to sit in there and hold the ball. 
that second window to open up for Scanlon, but he did it. And you, he, I mean, it's closing in around him. He's waiting. He knows he has to hold on for one more second. And then he kind of hops and throws the ball. It just, he's uh, the ultimate competitor. And I've heard people, Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods, and you don't want to throw those things out lightly, but the gamer that Patrick Mahomes is, I, I'm willing to put his name up in there with those guys. Well, I mean, uh, you know, I my boy Nick Wright referring to the AFC Championship game as the Arrowhead Invitational. I mean, five years in a row. It really is incredible. And if they Arrowhead Invitational, I like that. I like if they that. can get this win, um, you know, then you're talking about them and the pantheon of the great teams. But there still is one more game. And, you know, we'll find out next week how healthy some of these players are. But, Davis, the other thing that was incredible sitting there in that stadium watching what happened in the second half was that Mahomes was doing it without Juju Smith-Schuster, without McCole Hardman, without Kadarius Toney. Hell, he was thrown to a guy that had four career catches and 24 career tackles. I mean, right. pulling dudes off the special teams unit to go in and run routes in the fourth quarter of the AFC Championship. Yeah. I mean... There was a lot of adversity going against them and the fact that they got it done. What, what did you make of the Bengals, though? The Bengals season, the way they came into the game with so much bluster and bravado. I mean, we all love it in the media and as fans. I mean, I'll take all the shit talk you know, all day long. But, man, it was pretty clear that that really did resonate within that Kansas City locker room. And as much as it was great for media, I don't think they did themselves any favors. Yeah, so like I said, you follow this team. Were you surprised by the reaction after the game with Kelsey, with Mahomes, just the, the, how much that seemed to impact them? I'm, impact them. I'm not a believer that I don't think that in an AFC championship, any championship game or even playoff game in professional sport, there's nothing you can say that's going to make me play harder. So I, don't, I think it's all BS that – bulletin board material and we were all fired up because of it I, I don't buy it because there's nothing you can do to I'm one game away from the Super Bowl you calling it Burrowhead's not going to make me tackle you harder like I'm going to do everything I can and study every every second I can so it doesn't change shit for me the question I have is were you surprised because of how much they talked about it afterwards so maybe maybe I mean for guys as, as accomplished as the Chiefs are and, and Kelsey Mahomes and how many times they've been there the fact that they were so wound up about that after the game shocked me a bit. Well, it, I mean, it was a personal, I mean, I think they all took it personally. And listen, if it was just some other team doing that, like if it was the Jags the week before, it would have been no big deal. But this is the Bengals. This is the team that they blew it against in that same field, in that same game the year before, and then lost to them earlier this season. And they do believe that they are the best. They believe that they have set the standard as the number one team, certainly in the AFC and the National Football League. And when a team comes in running their mouth with the results to back it up in the past, <laughs> right, right. I, I, I do think it was a little bit different. And um, listen, whatever you can do to bring the best out of everyone in that locker room, um, you lean on it. And I have no idea what the coaching staff did, if they really leaned on that. But there were a lot of guys that took that personally. And I'll tell you what, if I'm Joe Burrow, I love the fact that I've got the support, but let's maybe wait till we actually go and win the thing before we crown ourselves. Um, because that's okay. a lot what happened. And the funniest thing is it's not Joe Burrow flapping his gums. It's Eli yeah. Apple. It's yeah, some yeah. of the guys that are on the periphery. And yeah. um, anyways, that was, that was really interesting, but it was damn clear that some of these guys took that personally after the game. 
weight off their, you know, the more you say that, the more I start to think more than a chip on their shoulder, maybe a weight off their shoulder, the Chiefs. If they if they lose that game, oh. that's a that's a legacy defining game for the Chiefs. They've done it all already. They you know they won Super Bowl. They've they've been in like you say what five 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 in a row. Five in a row. championships. Um, but if they lose now, all of a sudden they're just a team that can't get it done. Like, and that's going to sit with them for you know definitely the next you know till next season and probably after that. So as much as it it pissed them off or gave them motivation, I, I the more you say that and, and discuss it, the more it makes me think it's actually weight off pretty big weight lifted off their shoulders in, in, in a, not just for this year, but just legacy for some potential hall of fame guys and, and well, hall of fame guys in Kelsey and Mahomes. Yeah, you know what? I, I said, I'm glad you mentioned Kelsey because um, the quarterbacks always get the, uh, get most of the glory. And, but Kelsey has been a huge part of everything that this chiefs team has done over the course of this incredible run. I mean, you know, you, you've played, you've been in those huddles, you've been in those defensive meetings. I mean, what uh, if you're a coach? If you're with the Eagles right now, going into the game, I mean, what what are you saying to your players about '87 in red, and what you have to do to not necessarily stop him, but limit him from killing you? Yeah, he he he's the only he's the one. Like he's that's it. Like you said it, he's the one. I mean, you have to. I was seeing spots, and you could double team him, and it doesn't really matter. He's still getting open. Like I, I was seeing spots in the second half of the season where guys would like actually bracket him like you would a punt, like a guy on the punt team, the gunner on the punt team, like have a guy on one outside shoulder, other guy, on the other outside shoulder. And they actually just jam him on the line with two guys. I think the chargers were doing it, but I mean, that's not even a double team. It's like a full, don't pay attention to anything else in the field, but jam the crap out of this guy in the line of scrimmage. And we're going to do it with two of you guys. Like he's, yeah, he's he's a handful, and and now with the injuries and and you know where they where they go for secondary help. I mean, in in from the receiving core, that's. I mean, I think we saw some good stuff from Scantling. Obviously, that probably makes you happy because that's a real weapon now because he is talented. Oh. If if Nicole Harbin gets back, that's a that's a big help because he's he's a burner. But well, yeah. and T- Canarius Tony too. I mean, we really haven't seen him at full strength, and you know he was always injured with the Giants and got hurt in that game but man when he's a hundred percent and they're able to get the balls in the ball in his hands you but you don't trust him though do you because i don't no. i don't i don't trust him in a big big spot listen i mean you know we saw the uh you know we had a great opportunity for a touchdown wasn't able to make the catch and then uh and then was you know in street punt return the week before the fumble punt return the week before yeah there is that it's the, it's high risk reward when we're <laughs> right. talking about Kadarius tony but yeah. certainly has all world talent yeah. one more for you i mean we talked about you know the uh the the personnel on both sides but i am interested davis in your thoughts on the coaching matchup you got nick sirianni here in his first super bowl with a great start to his coaching career and then you've got Andy, who has been here, has won it, has been in probably as many championship games as anyone, maybe outside of Bill Belichick in NFL history. Um, is the experience of Andy Reid a huge advantage? Um, or does Nick Sirianni brought the best out of his football team? And, um, you know, it, it, the coaching matchup as far as, you know, scheming, scheming will be important. But when it comes to everything around it and the amount of times Andy's been, does that matter to you? So I'll ask this question. This will give you my answer. Who's played in more AFC championship games, Zach Taylor as a head coach or Andy Reid? Andy Reid. 
Well, Zach Taylor outcoached Andy Reid last week by a pretty heavy margin, I think. I mean, that's I mean, and that's not. Look, Andy Reid is is great. Now, he might be the greatest. He's up there in the within the greatest coaches of all time, right? We're talking about what he's done, and oh, for I think sure, the only one that's won. What has he been five times with two organizations? Or yeah, I saw some stat. Anyway, what, what he's obviously he's Andy Reid, but these young. Sharp coaches like Zach Taylor, like I think Zach Taylor out schemed, um, out schemed uh, uh, Andy this week, and I, and I trust in, in Sirianni that he'll be fine in this situation. He's young, he's smart, he's got a young, young uh, staff that's pretty good. Uh, the only help I would say is experience and how to prepare your team, and you know the week. We know the weeks. Like it's how you get your team ramped up, scheduling, bus, hotel, media, all that type of stuff that Andy and his staff have been through so many times together where uh, Nick Sirian and his staff have not. That would be the that'd be the only advantage, not X's nose, at least uh, in my opinion. You? Yeah. Um, I, I do think that the experience, because, listen, as much as they've done a lot of winning, he's also lost a lot of ways, and you often – become better by learning lessons the hard way. And Nick Sirianni hasn't done that yet. And uh, listen, obviously, I'm thinking optimistically on the Kansas City side of things. I mean, I think Andy will, you know, be able to bring the best out of his team and do all that. <laughs> to to be honest, and you talk about, the, you know, uh, Zach Taylor and Reed, in a lot of ways, those guys were going against the defensive coordinators on the other side. And I mean, Spags... <laughs> Spagnolo had a monster game and yeah. and listen brought out the best and listen the game that Chris Jones and Frank Frank Clark had um they're not we're not talking about the Chiefs in the Super Bowl if those guys don't play uh the way that they did. Chez, before we go, I know you're going to be very busy getting ready next week for the Super Bowl. Do you have an early lean on the game right now? I know you'll kind of lock things in next week and there's a lot more information to yeah. find out once the teams start practicing, but um Spreads around one and a half, two right now. I mean, uh, w- what's the early lean from uh, the TSN Edge expert? Yeah, the early lean is is actually a perfect play for you. And I and I talked about this this morning. And uh, it's if you like the Chiefs at all, if you're leading Chiefs, which I'm sure you are, I, I like the value in that first half line. Right now, you're getting plus one, plus one, or plus a half, whatever. Any plus. Uh, Chiefs first half, as we know, if it's a, it's going to be a close game. We assume now if it's if we if it's a tie, that's a win. And and a, a game that's going to be close like this, uh, extra possession is massive. So I don't like I don't like the spread right now, and I don't know what I'll we'll see. I'll be out there all week and see if anything comes up. But to me, I, I love that first half. If I want to put a bet in an early lean, the first half getting a point or a half a point uh, with the Chiefs. You're in you're in pretty good position, and I don't know how long that lasts for, but um, it's there now. Well, we'll uh, we'll have lots of time to talk about it. Getting ready for kickoff a week Sunday, Chez. I just it's so much fun watching you do your thing, and uh, especially for those of us that like to sprinkle on things. What you're doing on TSN, have an awesome Super Bowl week. Enjoy the game, and uh, let's do this again soon. Good luck with the wagers. Uh, appreciate. It. Thank thanks for having me. Enjoy. Good luck. All right, great stuff. Great stuff with Chez. Um, man, he's uh, just turned into uh, just a great an analyst and a hell of a fun guy to talk about. And yeah, I saw your comments in the chat. Do I need to remind you, folks, that Patrick Mahomes has been a starting quarterback for five years 
in the National Football League. He has been to five AFC Championship games, is now going to his third Super Bowl, and has already has the career passer rating uh, record in the NFL, the playoff passer rating, total yards in a season by a quarterback, passing touchdowns and total touchdowns in the playoffs. I could go on. Uh, there has never been a career in NFL history that started like Patrick Mahomes, and he is the bar right now for quarterbacks in the NFL. And um, that's why the Chiefs are where they are. And listen, I know that there's going to be haters. Hey, I was a Brady hater when he was the best all along because he kept on beating my teams and making me miserable. And that's sort of the way things are right now with, uh, with Kansas City. All that being said, though, um, it is a team game, and Mahomes might be the best player on the planet. However, uh, there's a very compelling argument that the Philadelphia Eagles are the best team, the most complete team, and as Davis Chances just rolled out, um, probably have a positional advantage in most other aspects of the game. So it's going to be an amazing Super Bowl. And, um, yeah, MC Stormy, I mean, it's a Chiefs fan. Like, I don't know if you just became a Chiefs fan, but he's got one ring already, and uh, I'm hoping in two weeks there'll be another addition to that jewelry box. Anyways, we'll have lots of Super Bowl coverage coming up next week on uh, on Winnipeg Sports Talk as we get ready for the game, and a perfect time to do it is the Jets will be off as they get closer to um, uh, closer to uh, the bit. Listen, Remo, before you get uh, – sorry, you, you want yeah, to talk on this? I was just going to say, um, for people on the podcast, you were responding to people in chat saying that Mahomes – uh, they were laughing and unfollowing us when you said that he was the greatest of all time. It got a lot of got a lot of response, and I was like, "Huss, you can't be driving everyone away with this uh, Mahomes loving." And then you had to defend yourself. MC Stormy saying Mahomes can't be the best if he hasn't won a Super Bowl, and yeah. everyone and in chat. And then T. Will, uh, T. On Will, him. you almost got a lifetime ban by comparing him to Trent Dilfer. I think that was um, T. Will but... is it's <laughs> Troll Will. I think that's what the T stands for. So don't take anything he says too Listen, seriously. I take this. Personally, never mind. Seriously, yeah. <laughs> this is my guy. Anyways, um, great stuff with Davis. Uh, Got to give a big shout out to uh, our friends at the Nick and Nikki DQ. I know it's a little chilly outside, but it's always a good time for one of those amazing stack burgers, chicken fingers, fries, all their great tasty treats. Not to mention the amazing ice cream treats. And hey, if we can be the Slurpee capital, you know you're good for a blizzard 12 months a year. And hey, if you've got a party or an event coming up that you think a DQ ice cream or blizzard cake would be great for, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. They'll custom make it for you however you want it. And you can pick it up quick and easy at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. And, um, uh, a big shout out as well to our friends at Little Brown Jug for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Don't forget, save the date, March 29th. Just a couple weeks into our third year of WST after our big anniversary on the 8th is going to be the second ever WST Sports Trivia Night at Little Brown Jug. We'll let you know about ticket information so you can reserve a spot um, probably right into February, beginning of March. Uh, but everyone that came out the first time, I think, had a great time, and we'll be looking forward to it again. The curation of the questions has already begun. So again, folks, uh, pop that into the calendar, March 29th, save the date. Of course, 
If you haven't been to Little Brown Jug, you'll also be able to pop down and check out all their amazing beers. Nowhere better to do that than the brewery and taproom on William Avenue where we'll be having the event. But you can also grab the new Good Times Variety Pack, 1919, and all your favorite Little Brown Jug offerings at anywhere that sells great beer. Full citywide delivery as well online at littlebrownjug.ca. All right, we have a couple more things to get to before we finish up, but let's quickly hit the cool bet lines. New episode of the Lock Shops out today. Dusty came through with a nice winner last week in the golf with Max Holma at I think 22 to 1. Um, we've got our Pebble Beach picks out today, a couple picks for tonight's games in the National Hockey League as well. Two games, Carolina at Buffalo. Man, I was kicking myself. I was out at the bar last night watching all three games at the same time. Shout out to any bar that has NHL center ice. Puts you above everywhere else. Um, and I actually thought about putting down a live bet at the end of the second period on the Hurricanes, who were down 4-1 to the Kings. I got involved in a conversation, forgot. Next thing you know, I turn around, it's 4-2, 4-3, 4-4, and the Canes, what an OT. They're in Buffalo, though, to take on the Sabres tonight. Sabres considering traveling back-to-back for the Hurricanes. I think this is a nice spot for the home dogs. Plus 119 for Buffalo. And, man, a great matchup to teams you love to hate. The Boston Bruins and the Toronto Maple Leafs. uh, Downtown T.O. Leafs plus 107 on the money line. And the Bruins, who for the first time all season long have lost three in a row, minus 125 favorites. And a quick update on that Super Bowl line. It was one yesterday at Cool Bet. It's now one and a half in favor of the Philadelphia Eagles. And if you uh, are riding with the Chiefs, might be a good time to get in on the money line. Even money on the Chiefs to win, plus 100. Eagles to win, minus 118. Tons of props available already. And Remo, uh, man, I had to laugh. We were talking about this today with Dusty on the lock shop. Um, They've got the Pro Bowl options right now. Now, there's the dodgeball passing lightning what? round, the longest drive champion, um, and all of those bets you can go AFC versus NFC. But the precision passing for the six quarterbacks that are in the game, I mean, it just speaks to where the Pro Bowl is uh, and how insignificant it is, to be perfectly honest. Geno Smith, your favorite at plus 325. Kirk Cousins and Trevor Lawrence at plus 350. Derek Carr and Jared Goff at plus 375. And Tyler Huntley of the Baltimore Ravens, 5-1 to one after playing, what, four games this season? These guys um, are the Pro Bowl quarterbacks? These are the, these are the Pro Bowl quarterbacks. Oh well, of course, God. Josh Allen. Josh Allen was named to the Pro Bowl and was supposed to be there. He's, uh, he's cut out. He won't be able to be there because he's playing at Pebble Beach in the Pro-Am which shows you even world-class athletes can somehow get out of work to go play golf. Um, uh, anyways, that's a good line. Pro, pro, pro Bowl. Um, you just come uh, up with that one? I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pro Bowl um, uh, odds and all that are up there. And I think that skills actually is Thursday night. Um, so anyways, looking for something to put a little sprinkle down on. There'll be something over the next couple of days. Uh, use the promo code WST over at CoolBet if uh, you haven't before and make sure if you're watching on YouTube or listening on the podcast, get on over to YouTube at lock shop bets. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel and uh, uh, retweet our pinned tweet over at lock shop bets because we're approaching 600 subscribers. We have a thousand dollars cash sitting 
in cash in 50s waiting to give out to one of our first 1,000 subscribers when that happens. So uh, make sure you get in the mix for that. And um, we'll be back on Friday with another episode heading into the weekend. A little bit of a slower week, but um, tons of Super Bowl coverage next week on Z Lock Shop. Uh, all right, Rima, before we go, big, big milestone today. The 30th anniversary of NHL commissioners Gary Bettman's reign on top of the best hockey league in the world. Yeah, I can't believe 30 years. That's a long time, so congratulations to him. And there's been a lot of um, looking back on his tenure as a general, or as not general manager, as commissioner of the NHL. There's definitely been some ups as, like, you know, bringing a team back to Winnipeg and getting that done yep. very quickly. That's the up, and there's some downs. like Gary Bettman City right here, Winnipeg, yeah, there's some Manitoba. There's some downs, like removing a team from Winnipeg and moving them to Phoenix. Oh, yeah, and a couple uh, work stoppages as well. But I want to me mention I really enjoyed Sean McIndoo's um, article or column, whatever you want to call it. I always get confused. In The Athletic, uh, Gary Bettman's 30 years. Don't judge him on what he's done, but what could have been. Basically, what he's saying is, hey, you know, you look at, you know, he'll come out and say, NHL record revenues are the highest it's ever been. Well, you know, we got all these broadcast deals. Well, across sports, um, you know, it's all the same, you know, all the same NHL or sorry, NFL broadcast revenues high, all revenues high, NBA, uh, every league is the same thing. Um, you do wonder, though, if there's some missed opportunities, whether it's TV deals or uh, growing the game, mark, what do people say, marketing your stars more? Is it uh, the playoff format or you know, trying to create more exciting games with the three-point system rather than this loser point where teams play for okay. a tie? I um, hate that. I, that I, I will definitely, definitely get on that one. As you know, that's my number one pet peeve and number one thing I would change if I was in charge. And this is coming at the same time as there was an article or it was reported that NHL viewership on TNT is down from last season, which leads to everyone um, wonder why and speculate on that. So I really, I'll give a shout out to Sean because I thought this was pretty fair, pointing out um, the good and and the bad. So um, congratulations to Gary Bettman on 30 years, I guess. I think he'll always, I mean, he got cheered here. I remember when he walked into the room on the first uh, Jets game. It was maybe the loudest Bettman. cheer he's ever gotten. Bettman, listen, Bettman has done, uh, I think, a really good job. I was asked today on the Rod Peterson show to give Bettman a, a grade for his 30 years. And, I mean, I'm in the B. I'm in the B range, the B plus, obviously. I, you know, I have skin in the game because if it wasn't for the commissioner, you know, working towards bringing a team back here, I probably would be doing something else, somewhere else right now. Um, oh, I never and, thought about that. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so, shit. big Gary Bettman <laughs> show here. But listen, I, I mean, you know, this is a North American sport and a sport that was so far behind everything else. Uh, and listen, is it still far behind the other major sports? Certainly football and basketball, yeah. Um, but there's a lot of things that go into that. I mean, I don't think there's any question when you look at a 32-team National Hockey League and the footprints that this sport has in areas that were that the sport was completely off the map before Gary Bettman was around. Um, they've done a good job at growing the game. Will will hockey in North America ever be like competing with the NFL and the NBA? 
Probably not. And listen, for all the people that say, oh, they don't promote their stars yet. We all know Kobe and Giannis and stuff. Dude, that, that is what ba basketball is literally a star-based team. I mean, one or two players makes all the difference. Hockey is a team game. And listen, I don't think you can blame the commissioner of the NHL for the way stars have been marketed. I mean, in a lot of ways, that goes to the teams. And it goes to the culture of hockey that has been for years and decades been about not putting one player over the other. And that's part of what makes it the ultimate team game. So, listen, I know you can, everyone can take their shots or nitpick, but overall, I think the NHL is in a pretty good place. And the one thing that people don't ever remember or acknowledge is that Bettman might be the figurehead and he might take the booze on the podium and, um, you know, and he can handle it. Gary Bettman has bosses, 32 of them the owners of the National Hockey League. So um, if you've got issues with some of the decisions that have been made, keep in mind, this isn't just been a one-man fiefdom calling all the shots. Um, every National Hockey League team has input into it. And that's a big reason why some of the decisions that have been made. I mean, the biggest ones you hear, the whining that comes out of places like the Toronto media about the salary cap and how it's so tough to make trades and all that. Listen, I get it, and it would be nice if there was maybe some wriggle room so there could be some more, um, more player movement. Listen, talk to the PA. You want more player movement? Have no no trade clauses in contracts. Have shorter contracts. You could do all that. You think the PA signing up for that? Hell no. So... Um, it is what it is. I still think the league's in a really good spot. And most importantly, the changes that have come under under Gary Bettman's watch to make the game, the product better. Um, and I will argue that the game has never been better. Certainly the talent of the players, um, the product that we get each and every night. And they did make some drastic, drastic changes. Um, well, frankly, just started calling the rules, but... <laughs> You know, we know who was calling the shots before. It was sort of hockey guys. To great, it was the great equalizer. I think they've done a good job on that. So um, all in all, a definite passing grade. B, B plus for, uh, well, it's B, but it's an extra plus because of the Jets are back in Winnipeg. Yeah, I think we're kind of biased here. I do, I'm seeing some people talking about uh, the glow puck, and I will say the glow puck was amazing, and they should bring it back. Ahead of its um, time. I think it would. I think that would actually improve the ratings. The reason why the ratings are down is because of the board ads. Because it actually hurts your eyes to watch hockey in 2023. Um, hey, speaking of the glow puck, um, yeah. I, I meant to mention this to you. So I'm at that bar in KC on the weekend watching the game, and we were watching the Philly broadcast, which is NBC Sports Philadelphia. Yeah. Listen, I know Philly's a huge city, and they've got a lot more money. But my God, the difference in quality of the broadcast. And again, I wasn't listening with sound. So, I mean, this has nothing to do with the commentators or anything else. It's just, just the visual presentation mm -hmm. of what we get compared to that. The local Flyers broadcast was, was incredible. I mean, they've got a panel, a beautiful set in between periods. Um, and speaking of the glow puck, they were screwing around like it wasn't on all the time, but there were times where they had a, uh, a trail line ripping around for passes and for shots. Um, actually, I shouldn't say on the shots because I didn't see it. It wasn't like the old one where the faster it got, the trail would change to red, which was obviously very cool. Um, but 
they're working on some things. And again, it would be great if it was just an option, you know, you could have on. I mean, I think that should be readily available in the future as to whether you want it or not. Uh, but I'm with you. I think that there, there could be some more things that could really, um, you know, make the game a little more watchable, especially for newcomers. Um, but I think a lot of people, myself included, wouldn't mind having that option to watch games as well, even though I know it's always been one way and we're fine with it the way that it is. It always can be better. And those options for fans, I think, would be great to see going forward. When you talk, I've, when you talk about the Philly broadcast, you're talking about just the picture quality, the camera angles, or the fact that they had a pregame show with a panel. All of the above. And um, an intermission show. Well, every, I mean, you look watch any U.S., Regional broadcast, they all have a pregame show with a panel. They all have an intermission show with a separate host and panel and a, and a real postgame show. And um, yeah. we don't have that on ours. You know, our no, game T- ends. Listen, TSN cheaps out big yeah. time on, 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 the, on the Jets broadcast. I mean, mm-hmm. when, when it, it is really apparent is when the Jets played the Leafs. and. Yes. You see what what we're getting here in this market, and then you see the resources and the people, the brilliant minds they've got on that Leafs panel. And it, it, listen, it sometimes does make you feel like a bit of a second-class citizen or a hockey fan when it comes to what our team gets. Bottom line is, though, we got a team, and the most important thing is what's happening on the ice. And uh, so far, been a great season. Despite last week, everyone feeling a hell of a lot better about the Jets and our plight going into the All-Star break after the heroics in the third period on Monday night against the Blues. Yeah, a couple other things. You know, we got two games today, and this was a topic as well as far as declining ratings. You know, we, got, we had two, three games yesterday. They all started at the same time, 6 p.m. We have two games tonight. They both start at the same time, 6.30. What are we doing here, Hus? Can't we have some staggered start times? Like, why do they have to start at the same time? People want to watch both games flip back and forth. This is silliness. Well, I mean, every team, in particular time zones, teams set their own start times. No. Let's see, the be... NHL is going to start saying, now, listen, I yes, know there we are have a 9 p.m. Some... here. We have a 9, 9 p.m. local game. start. We have a 9 p.m. local start. So they clearly don't care, don't care about <laughs> local in listen, certain circumstances. It is a Saturday night game, and that is a very rare occurrence. Um, and sometimes the teams to get on national television will be worth it. Well, none of those games were national last night. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, sometimes I think people are just finding things to complain no. about, and uh, that is uh, that is one of them. It's so annoying when there's two games on. You want to flip back and forth, and they're both at intermission at the same time. It's dumb. That's my you thought. Get a little bit of break to go take care of whatever you have to do, and then you can get back and watch all the games uh, games at once. As I said, simple solution to this, multiple TVs, go to a spot that has them all, and, um, you know, there will be maybe a little bit of overlap, but um, there's so much that goes into, and you have to think about the fans in those markets. Um, You know, randomly changing game start times, 15, 20 minutes, one way or the other, just so that intermissions don't line up. I'm yeah. not sure that that's worth the inconveniencing of the but fans and the say, operation that happened in the local market. Say game starts at 7.15. Well, anyways, they tell you the game starts at 7 and they don't drop the puck till 7.10 anyways. So, I don't know. Like Eastern time zones. If anything, plan games so you got one in the east and one in the west. I mean, that, that like that, that I'm here for. You know, get... 
a central division. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, there's three time zones in the I'm league. I'm just saying there's, it there's just two so games happens. on tonight. Why are they both starting at 630? Why not have because one at Because they're both six? in the eastern time zone, but, and that's what time those teams no, start their games. They start at 6. Games start at 6 every day. You can't start one game at 6 and one game at 630 tonight. You can. And listen, they do that for the playoffs. But I mean, for what the regular season. You got a game season. in Toronto and the game in Buffalo. You don't think Buffalo and Toronto routinely play 6 p.m. Central, 7 Eastern games? Like, why aren't they at different times? Why are they at different times? No, why, why aren't, aren't they? they? Why are they both? Because one's, oh, one's TNT and one's sports. And I guess for TV, they, they each they're each country picks their own game. That's dumb. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, anyways, that's, again, it's what Sportsnet plays games at, to at 7 about. p.m. every other day or 7 Eastern, 6 Central. Huge, far, far bigger fish to fry. No, um, no. But again, is this a big deal? Or no. is Remus just complaining like, for the sake of complaining? Let us know in the chat. Yeah, let us I think it's. I think it's It's dumb. Like, just, but whatever. What do I know? W-S-O-T-O-T. Time zone talk with Chris Vermette. That was, uh, that was here, well, We can end it with fun, something fun, Huss. There's, a, there's an NHL alumni game in Florida for the All-Star game. And the names on these rosters, oh, man. Let me let me pull them up. Okay, while well, you pull those up, there is some bad news to report. Andrew Brunette got popped for a DUI last night yeah. in South Florida. Not a very nice return to where he was the head coach last year for the Panthers, and uh, not a great way to start off the uh, uh, the All Star break for a guy that um, you know has obviously had a pretty wild last couple of years. Yeah, I always get sad when. Um... You know, anyone gets a DUI, but when you see these guys, they obviously have a lot of a lot of money. You know, being a coach and like, what you can't call an Uber on your phone. Like, it's easier than ever, has to get a car service, and Especially there's no there's no reason for that. So that's, I mean, that's really sad to see. Hopefully, I mean, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen with Andrew Burnett, but yeah, there was news that he got it. He got a DUI, and it's like, be be smarter than that. No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know the details. I just saw that it run out that he's been charged with DUI and they had a mugshot. Uh, but you just hope that um, that indiscretion um, didn't result in uh, any people being harmed. Um, and again, what happens with his career and a suspension or whether he'll be with the team going forward, I guess that will all remain to be uh, reseen. Okay, hit these. Uh, we were way late. Hit these. Uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're way late. Lined up for some go. funds. Okay, so here's this. Panthers alumni versus Jets versus NHL alumni. Classic names here. Panthers alumni. David Booth, Brian Boyle, Thomas Fleischman, Bill Lindsay, who we've had on the show, Luongo, Brian McCabe, Ray Shepard, Rhett Warner. Dennis Svidvicki. Okay, Wojtek Wolski, Peter Worrell, Keith Yandel. This is the NHL alumni team. Trevor, Trevor Daly, Darius Kasparaitis, Patrick Marlowe, who may even still be able to play in the NHL. Who, Alexei Ponikarovsky, former Jet, Guomo Rutu, Pierre Turgeon. They're just some legendary names. Ooh, Eric yeah, I just Neister want to throw actually this up. married a girl from Winnipeg, uh, Chelsea. He used to know her uh, from around our area. Absolute stunner. And uh, they've got a beautiful young family. So that's great. Pierre Turgeon as well. And Henrik yes. Samuelson. No, oh, it should be good. When is that game? I think that's tonight. I guess they have a big week. Of, and you're the All-Star game. They have uh, so many festivities there. And... I don't think this is going to be televised or anything, but hey, if I was in Florida and I was a hockey fan, I would definitely check this out. 
Yeah, no doubt. I'm uh, as I said, I was maybe going to go do that if the game AFC game was in Atlanta, kind of continue on there, but of course, I was freezing my butt off in KC and that was the case. All right, we got to get out of here. A hey, ice <clears throat> Excuse me. Big game for the Ice tonight at home. They're hosting the Saskatoon Blades. So if you're looking for something to do tonight, head on down to Max Bell. Should be a good one and uh, Ice heading on the road to Brandon and Saskatoon on the weekend. We're coming back for home games next Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, and Wednesday. That's going to do it for us. Shout out to Davis Sanchez. Great stuff with him. Dan Fink with the Moose. And, of course, Scott Billick on your Winnipeg Jets. Thanks to all the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. And all of you for making us a part of yours. Have a great one. We'll see you tomorrow on WST. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.